Well, neighbors, it had to be done. This episode is going to be all iPad 2 all the time. We'll be hearing from John Martellaro from the Mac Observer. Then we'll hear from our friend Kirk McElhern, author and commentator who writes for Macworld magazine. And then some cutting-edge remarks about how Apple's competitors might react to the iPad 2 from Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. All this and more this week on The Tech Night Owl Live. Joining us again is John Martellero from the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. How you doing today, John? Hey, Gene. What are we going to talk about? Was there something going on today? Well, you know, we're doing this on a Wednesday afternoon, just a couple hours after Apple had their special event. Now, for those who didn't tune in, the headline of the day was Steve Jobs Return. Now, he was on stage. It doesn't mean necessarily that he's back full-time at Apple. But after you hear all these stories that he's near death's door, and you wonder, my guy, the guy's at death's door, but he seemed to be able to walk and talk. He's still kind of slim there, but, you know, we all need to lose weight, right? Yeah, it's a nice weight loss program. I don't know about that. You know, I think if I was going to lose weight, and I weigh roughly what I did when I was 18, but if I wanted to lose weight, nice. I think I choose a different method. Anyway, yeah. there's an article that you did over at the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com, and I thought this would be a suitable question here. So we'll get into what's good about the iPad 2. But where do you think Apple kind of messed up or maybe omitted something that you felt should have been there? Okay, so I wrote an article called iPad 2 Specs Are a Disappointment. I was trying to avoid being overwhelmed by the reality distortion field, and I was trying to be objective about what I thought Apple could do with a year's head start. You know, I, I know that I'm, I was going to get a lot of flack for this article because it's, it's very easy to just sit back and say, oh, it's wonderful, the iPad 2, and everybody claps and goes out and buys one. But here's the thing. Motorola and Hewlett-Packard and, and RIM have had a year to start from scratch. And when Steve first announced the iPad, they went, oh, my God. And when it shipped in April, they went, oh, my God. And they've been furiously working for a year to put together the hardware and to line up contracts for parts, to get the thing manufactured, to get an operating system integrated into it and working with the hardware, whatever operating system they'd elected to use. And they've been working their butts off for a year. Apple doesn't seem to have been working its butts off the same fashion. And I was hoping for, you know, in the NFL, they talk about a shutdown corner, like Champ Bailey from the Denver Broncos, my hometown. So uh, we didn't see a shutdown iPad 2. We saw incremental improvements. We saw the same resolution on the screen. I don't think we saw Apple dealing with anything about the reflection issues. Uh, the HDMI was—it's it's an add-on. Uh, it seems like it's kind of an afterthought. 
So, uh, you know, I wasn't... When it comes to the HDMI, though, just on the ladder score, Apple likes to keep it simple. You know, have one connection serve multiple purposes with adapters. They do that on Macs, you know, where you have the mini display port, and if you want something else like DVI or HDMI, you buy an adapter cord. Yeah, I know, and in, in some cases, people don't like that because they're strapped to do the things that they want to do. Now, we'd all been reading about the possibility that Apple was going to have some kind of equivalent to a retina display on the iPad 2. But the other speculation that we have also heard is that the cost of those flat panels with the higher resolution, which would mean if you double the measurements for the number of pixels vertically and horizontally, it's four times as many pixels. Those panels were not cheap enough or the yield wasn't sufficient. That was a reason. Well, I wasn't really keen on the idea of a retina display. Um, I think better resolution would have helped. But there's that issue of uh, compatibility with apps, you know, and scaling up by 2x. So that comes into play. You can't just increase the resolution a little bit because you, I don't know that the iPad for sure has, has uh, the, the scalability of the system that resolution independence that allows that. But so I will admit that that's an issue. Um, but we've been reading stories about Apple locking up all these contracts and spending billions with Samsung and, and owning 60% of the capacitive display market. And gee, what happened? Uh, were there technical issues that, that retina display for the iPhone can be produced without problems, but it's a problem for the bigger iPad display. Well, the other thing you have to consider also, the thing that has to be considered also, John, is the fact that because they spend $3.9 billion doesn't mean those parts will be delivered tomorrow. Maybe they're reserving for the next iPad. Maybe there will be another iPad this fall. Some are suggesting... Well, that's my whole, that's my whole point. I mean, yeah, sure. Just because you reserve the parts doesn't necessarily mean they have them. But there was one thing missing, and this goes back to our last meeting together. And you were giving some speculation about how Apple might market to the low end of the region. But if you go to Apple's <laughs> website, <laughs> yeah, you go to Apple's website. That. Let me finish this, my friend. Yes. You go to Apple's <laughs> website and you look at the listing for the iPad 2. Okay, take advance orders or at least know when it's shipping and everything. There's nothing there about the iPad 1. Out of sight, out of mind. They're not going to sell the iPad 1 for a lower yes, price. It's going to start four ninety nine, just like this one. And I think part of the reason is that none of the competitors can match Apple's pricing. Yes, I suppose there are some specs and features you might have liked to have seen that aren't there. But Apple knows how to build it cheaper. In fact, there's a statement from Tim Cook that Apple doesn't just want to produce gear for rich people. But right now, if you want a decent tablet-based computer... The iPad is, based on what it offers, cheaper than the competition. Who could have thunk it? Sure. I agree with that. And the fact that they're not putting it prominently on the um, Apple Store suggests that they're just going to close them out uh, and sell what they have left. That's a, good, that's a good way to do it, rather than try to promote it as something long-term, because then people get annoyed that they can't keep buying one at the low price. And the other thing to bear in mind, too, is this one will go on sale in the United States on March 11th, and then later in the month to another 25 or so countries. So it's going to be still a gradual rollout, which probably confirms the fact that they're not going to have 5 million of them on day one. 
They're still ramping up production, possibly with any new product with production. You've got, you know, difficulties with getting everything to work right. I do hope, though, the white version ships. Apple owes us a white mobile product. Well, that brings up an interesting question. Uh, What's different about a white iPad 2 that they couldn't do on the iPhone 4? Well, maybe they've already solved the problem for the iPhone 4, and they're using the same technology for the iPad 2, and there will be a white iPhone 4. I think that's... I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Why why look late? Why not just make it look like it was planned for the iPhone 5 all along? Well, that can happen, too. You have to think here... Also, what's interesting to me is the size of this thing. It is thinner, slightly, ever so slightly thinner than the iPhone 4. Interesting, huh? That is very interesting, and yet they kept the battery life uh, the same. Right. It probably has more RAM, although we will not know because Apple doesn't advertise that until they do the teardown. So in a couple of weeks, iFixit.com and other people will tear it down. You'll know what all the raw materials are. I think one area of disappointment is the fact that I had expected that Apple would provide an iPad 3G that would work on both Verizon and the AT&T network, but that doesn't appear to be so. It looks like there's a separate CDMA and a separate GSM version, which means you better know before you buy the thing which particular network you're going to use it on, assuming you're not going to hotspot with some other product, for example, like an iPhone, you know, an iPhone with hotspots, then you don't need to worry about all that stuff. We'll have to see how it goes. We have John Martellero. He works with the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy flu-away elderberry liquid is only $13 for a four-ounce bottle. 
also on super sale. Olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at herbalhealer.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at herbalhealer.com. As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the U.S. dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of $3 million. The answer to protecting your assets is simple. Call John Ballman today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Get all your questions answered before your money is worth zero. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Reality check. There are many so-called health products coming out that are here today but will be gone tomorrow. They're fads. They're hype and a lot of gimmick. Life Change Tea is no fad. We've been around for years and we've been slowly growing. And our products have attracted loyal customers. Why? Because our products work. Cleansing your body. Losing weight. More energy and better overall health. And you might ask, says who? Our customers say. A company shows its colors with how many people reorder the product. So don't be afraid. We're the real deal. Log on to GetTheTea.com and read all the testimonies. In fact, log on and order at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Or call us at 928-308-0408. There's no call centers, just a friendly operator. 928 928- 308-0408. Once again, 928-308-0408. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, send it to news at technightall.com. That's News at TechNightOwl.com. And don't forget, you can visit the famous Tech Night Owl community forums at forum.technightowl.com. Get in on all the action. That's forum.technightowl.com. We return with John Martellaro from the Mac Observer. And we're talking about, I don't know, we just said, you know what, let's just talk about the Apple stuff. What else is there? Okay. So we have the front-facing camera is VGA. The rear camera is HD. I kind of thought they would have done better to make it both HD. What do you think? I, I don't really know about that. I, I think that uh, certainly when you're taking uh, long-range photos, uh, you, need, you need good resolution. But maybe for FaceTime, it doesn't matter. I haven't had, any, I haven't had a chance to really think about that yet. Um, I know that the zoom has uh, two megapixels for the front facing and five megapixels for the rear facing. 
Uh, so it, it seems to be a, a trend in the industry. And um, when I find out, I'll let you know because it could be parts availability. I don't know. It just, just doesn't seem to make sense to have a really, really high-resolution camera when all you're going to be doing is uh, FaceTime with it. Well, I suppose here that, say, you're a real estate agent and you want to take high-definition movies of a house. And I have to tell you this. The other day we were just looking at homes just to see what's available right now. And I have never seen such bad photography in my born days, folks. I mean, you have to think about this, for example. Now, we know that the real estate market's really bad. It's really hard to sell a house. You have to discount, you have to discount. You know, it's really a buyer's market. So you think real estate brokers with all the great digital cameras, not just, you know, an iPhone 4, but all the great digital cameras from Samsung and from Canon and all those people out there, they can take a decent picture of the inside of a house? Well, you you would be using the, the rear-facing camera on the iPad if if you were a real estate agent and carrying an iPad around with you. Sure. And that's five megapixels, and that should do the job for those kinds of photos. I would think. Yeah. So, you know, maybe Apple's being sensible there. They're basically bringing everything in line. They sort of made it lighter, a couple of ounces or so. Not much, but do you think the people who want to hold their iPads in one hand will find that sufficient? No, I don't think so. Um, I don't think you can tell the difference between 1.5 and 1.3 pounds. Maybe you can. I have to have one, but I don't think it's that big a difference. What I thought was interesting was on the iPad 1, the 3G system added an entire tenth of a pound. It went from 1.5 to 1.6. On the iPad 2, it went from something like 1.3 to 1.33. Let me bring up the comparison chart here. So right now, do you have the information that we seek? Yes. I thought it was interesting that on the original iPad, the Wi-Fi was 1.5 pounds and the 3G was 1.6 pounds, 1.1 pound difference. On the iPad 2, it goes from 1.33 to 1.35 for the GSM phone, keeping it on the same terms. So the, it looks like they significantly reduced the weight of the antenna or the assembly or the, the radio component in there that gives you the GSM radio. That's pretty cool. They sure know about miniaturization. They sure do. They sure have picked up a thing or two about that. Thinner, a wee bit lighter. Okay, the white, the black front. You know, it's an interesting design. They've certainly made some interesting progress. Do we really care about the gyroscope? Do we need a gyroscope on an iPad 2? Oh, yeah. It adds uh, a better feel for games, things you can't totally do with an accelerometer. I believe it was Steve or or one of the Apple people who gave a presentation a while back on, uh, on how much better a gyroscope works in concert with the accelerometer for games. Okay, so this is more of a gaming machine than ever. Oh, absolutely. And also the fact that you have the HDMI support, that means they can design games and you can play it on your high-definition TV, and suddenly you got those big 3D games, you have graphics that are supposed to be nine times faster. Suddenly, if I was building game consoles and they're cheapening them fast, I think, my God, Apple's going to offer this first-class gaming platform. 
nine times the graphics performance, wow. which normally chews up your battery, but the same 10-hour battery life. Think about that. Cool. Now, think about what this can do. Now, and remember, you can plug it in and still use it, of course, you know, if you're just setting it up to use as a gaming console. But suddenly, Apple has the gaming console, plugs into your high-definition TV, genuine 1080p resolution, okay? And, you know, some pretty interesting games there. Instead of spending $40, $50 for a game, you get one for, what, $10? Games? Sure. I don't know. I'm not a big game player on the iPad, but I I suspect a lot of them are a lot lot less expensive than that. Yeah, but I'm talking about the first tier, top drawer games, not just the regular stuff, Uh, the shoot-em-ups from the major gaming companies. And I think Apple was thinking of that, you know. I mean, do you really need nine times the graphics for most of the stuff that you do? Maybe not. But if you're playing games, you do. If you're going to use that to generate high-definition video and then play that back on your flat panel HDTV 1080p, yes, you do. So Apple has a lot of stuff under their belt there that they're working on. And I don't think even if, and this was true with the first iPad, even if somebody, or the iPhone, for example, even if somebody else comes up with a little bit better specs, I don't think they're selling this on specs. No, of course not. Uh, I said that in my editorial when I was complaining about the specs, but as usual, a lot of readers didn't want to hear it. Of course, Apple doesn't compete on specs. They don't want people to think about speeds and feeds. Uh, Apple has a huge lead in applications, uh, huge credibility as a company. Uh, Retail stores where you can go in and and ask questions and get things fixed. 65,000 applications. Uh, lower prices, yeah, this is going to be a huge hit, and, 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 and there's not going to be anything that can touch it for quite a while. The iPad is being used in all sorts of industries and in education. They are great. It's amazing ex- how it's sure. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how the iPad, which was designed for consumers, has taken uh, a, a big lead in business areas. I was reading an article the other day about some hotels are giving their concierges iPads to greet guests and check them in and give them directions and so on. Um, it's, it's right out of Star Trek. It's the perfect device to have in your hand as a tablet to do all sorts of things with, whether it's medicine and checking a patient's chart or checking somebody into a hotel or, or something like that. It's, it's perfect. Now consider also Star Trek The Next Generation, which started in the 80s, ended in the early 90s, they were using a tablet-based computer, which may have been considered by some to be a forerunner or a prediction of the arrival of an iPad someday. And we've got so much more to say about the iPad 2, introduced this week by Apple, goes on sale the 11th of March. We're talking all about it, good, bad, ugly, and everything else with John Martellero from the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. 
do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. one 804 mytv The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call one 804 mytv right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HD TV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part, the pristine digital picture and sound. Call one 804 mytv So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call one 804 mytv one 804 mytv Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call one 804 mytv one 804 mytv Extend your life with Hi, my name's Russ, and after my heart attack, I wasn't sure what was going to happen. I needed to keep on working, but now it's becoming a problem. I heard about these garlic cayenne drops and hoped it would help me. Well, I've been taking them for about four months, and the way I'm feeling now, I can see how I just might make it to retirement, thanks to Extendivite. My name's Don Wiskin, and I want you to know Extendivite works. If you're looking for more energy or just want to be as healthy as you can, now is the time to join the growing list of real people benefiting from Extendivite. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with Extendivite. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the usa place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793 877-747-2793 call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com that's reusablecanninglids.com for tadler reusable canning lids the original since 1976 If you own a septic system or if you're facing costly septic system replacement, this message is for you. When you want to stop paying for pump-outs and avoid backups, when you've had enough of the foul odors and costly repairs, use BioSafe One Septic Solution. Now there's an easy-to-use, 100% guaranteed answer to all your septic system problems. BioSafe One Septic Solution. BioSafe One is patented and made specifically for all septic systems and made by the same team of scientists who help clean up the Exxon Valdez oil spill. BioSafe One decontaminates and removes sludge, stops costly pump-outs and repairs, and removes septic system stench, all with a 100% success rate. See what gives BioSafe One Septic Solution the advantage over any other septic product at BioSafeOne.com. That's B-I-O-S-A-F-E-O-N-E.com. BioSafeOne.com. Or call toll-free 1-866-424-6663. That's 1-866-424-6663. BioSafe One, the guaranteed, bio-friendly, money-saving way to clean your septic system. 
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return with John Martellaro from the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. It's all iPad all the time. And you were telling me during the break of an interesting little tidbit of information here, my friend. I saw a rumor where someone had gotten a hold of one of these uh, 30-pin connector to HDMI uh, accessories and tried it on an iPad 1, and they were able to get uh, a a signal out. Presumably it would only be 720p HDMI. So that's interesting. I've yet to confirm that, but uh, that's what I saw on Twitter from a good source. Hey, if they say it on Twitter, it has to be true. Well, if it's if it's Glenn Fleischman, it has to be true. Right? Well, there's that, of course. You know, you know, when you think of well, as long as you think of the sources of your information, and Glenn Fleischman certainly is a source that you know he's a well-known tech writer. And if he gives you information of this sort, you have to kind of think, hey, you know what, yeah, this a, guy, he's a telling the truth there. Yeah, sounds good enough for me. Anyway. So, you know, we're seeing a lot more fascination here with all the, all the interesting features that we're finding on the iPad 2 and about how Apple decided to make the changes. And because of the case redesign, you can't call it incremental, even though, as you see, you know, some of the changes are fairly well understandable. You know, the dual-core processor, the faster graphics, the cameras, this, that, and the other thing. But then, of course... There's also the fact that they've got this cool accessory. Now, remember the traditional case for the iPad, you know? You open it up like a book, kind of clunky looking. It was clunky. That's exactly the word I was thinking. Okay. The clunky case for iPad 1, it is now replaced by Smart Cover. Tell us about Smart Cover. I, I, Gene, I haven't seen the video yet. Um, I... Of course, there was no live feed of the event, so uh, I'll have to watch the uh, the stream when Apple posts it. But it looks to me like it's got a microfiber on the inside, which if it slides a little bit, will will clean the screen. Then it folds back nicely and uh, then props up the uh, the iPad in a very minimalist, elegant way. And you've got your choice between leather coating and, and uh, polyurethane coating. Um, it looks like one of those situations where Apple's trying to inspire uh, the third-party makers of uh, cases as opposed to uh, preempt them. Apple likes to do that, like to set the example, set the bar, and say, hey, let's, you know, we we came up with something really cool. What can you guys do, too? And also bear in mind, this only covers the front of the iPad, too. And it's connected by magnets, okay? So keep it away from your hard drive. Oh, yeah. And all your floppies that you've got on your desk, right? <laughs> floppies? What are floppies? I don't know. It's, uh, something like, isn't, aren't they related to a fax machine or something? I don't know. A fax machine. You know, by the way, I finally moved all my faxes online. Okay? I joined an online fax service, ported my fax number to them. So it cost me, what, 3 $4 a month instead of spending, you know, $10, $20 a month for the fax line. So I'm saving a lot of money. And I've retired my fax machine, but I still need a scanner because sometimes you have to scan hard copy in order to fax it. But most of the time, you're sure, yeah. Got to tell you a story. Tell me a story. Such a story. 
my wife was um, well, years ago, but not that many years ago, was in the office. And somebody was talking to one of the really young hires, maybe somebody was 22 years old, and they were talking about a typewriter. And this young man said, excuse me, what is a typewriter? So I've decided that the next time some office or some business establishment tries to strong arm me into sending them a fax document, I'm going to say to them, what's a fax? And, uh, and then maybe they'll get talked into doing an email instead. Okay, so therefore, there are no faxes. Soon there will be no email, by the way. You know, email is going to be history. No, no, no. No, no, no. That's just, you know, people like to create a buzz. The buzz. And uh, artificially uh, uh, make it look like, uh, you know, they're, they're state-of-the-art and they're hip and they're way ahead of the situation. And it's true that a lot of young people are giving up email because it's slow. But um, wait till they get into the office, in the workplace, or in business, email is still fundamental. A lot of work with iOS 5. I think the biggest criticism you could make about the iPad 2, and yes, there will be an iOS 4.3 with improved AirPlay and support for hotspots and stuff like that. No big deal. But iOS 5, I would hope they would do something with regard to mail. Make it more like the desktop version with multiple signatures, spam filtering, email rules. Right now, it's too bare bones for me. Well, you know, that kind of depends on how you use the, uh, the iPad. Uh, there is a discussion. Ted Landau, my colleague at the Mac Observer, and I talk about this. Uh, he took a big vacation, and uh, he took his iPad along and his notebook trying to figure out whether he could spend two weeks on the road with just an iPad, and he found out that he couldn't. Um, but I find that when I'm around the house... Um, you know, watching TV, looking at the international movie database while I'm watching a movie, or sometimes my wife is watching something I don't care for, so I'll multitask and, and uh, catch up on news with my iPad. One of the things I do a lot is, in the process of finding interesting news, I email either the Twitter to myself or I send a link to the article to myself. And I don't need signatures, and I don't need... Uh, lots of different accounts and all the full feature, uh, features of an email program. All I need to do is just click on something, drop it into a mailer, and send it to myself. And that's about the extent that I use for email on the iPad. I, I can understand why Apple would be reluctant to get into uh, a lots of minutiae on iPads because of the way filtering, that not multiple signatures, stuff like that. It's, it supports yeah. your your digital life, but it's not a replacement. You know, yes, but more and more the iPad is being used for content creation. I mean, Apple brings on the developer of iMovie and Final Cut Pro, and by the way, he also invented Adobe Premiere, Randy Ubelos. And he is presenting the new iMovie for the iPad that has more and more movie editing features, stuff that you could do that allows you to edit audio, stuff like that. Really interesting. And that's the update. And then there's going to be a garage band for the iPad. So suddenly you're editing audio. Now, it's not like the garage band on your Mac where you have like 64 tracks. You have eight tracks. And you think eight tracks for audio, that's nothing. But the Beatles, as I think Steve Jobs said, or one of the other Apple executives, yeah, but the Beatles did Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band with a four-track machine. 
So mm-hmm. if you do all sorts of good tricks, like bouncing tracks, they call it, eight tracks is more than enough. Audio editing, that's content creation, folks. I think what you're seeing is a, uh, a change in the way people focus their activities on the different machines. Email is considered a sort of a business thing. Uh, there are more immediate modes of communication. Uh, but on the other hand, one, one of my favorite uh, movies that has been created on the iPhone was uh, The Apple of My Eye, about the little girl and her uncle or grandfather at the, tr- at the train store. And then they, they go on to do this, this video about trains uh, that was shot completely on an iPhone and then edited by the, uh, by the uh, fellow's girlfriend who edited the movie on an iPhone 4. So I think what's happening is is that there is a, is a class of things that people really, really want to do and they're having fun with. And so creating GarageBand and movie editors for the iPad is something that young people, people of all ages, can really immerse themselves in. It's like playing a game. It's interactive. You're, you're creating cool stuff. Uh, even though email is fundamental and essential, it's not something that's really cool. And it's not the way people immediately think about connecting with people. Uh, and if you really need to send a big email or do document exchanges or have ex- signatures, you know, there's, you know, go to your MacBook Air to do that. If you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, write us news at com. That's news at TechNightHowl.com. We're talking to John Martellaro of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. In this connected world, your Mac needs to be protected from the many threats that come over the Internet. But how can you stay up to date with the security issues that now affect Macs? The Mac Security Blog covers all the security threats to Macs, keeps you informed about essential updates to your software, and alerts you when new threats or malware are discovered. Keep your Mac safe. Visit the Mac Security Blog at blog.intego.com. That's blog.intego.com, blog.intego.com. Have you been sitting on a few great domain name ideas but haven't locked them in for yourself? Good. Now you can buy them through the number one domain name registrar, Namecheap.com, as voted by the top tech blog Lifehacker. Just like the name says, you can buy domains cheap, as low as $2.99. And every new domain comes with WhoisGuard, our special privacy service, free for the first year. Now that you know, it's time to grab those domain names before someone else does. Namecheap.com. Go now. Namecheap.com. Most of us eat a blend of processed, man-made, and all-natural food. But the food you eat may not provide all the nutrition your body needs. We now know that liquid vitamin supplements are absorbed faster than pills. That's why you need C-Energy. From AffinityCEnergy.com, sea vegetation is known to be the richest source of organic minerals. And that's what you'll find in all-natural, great-tasting C-Energy. C-Energy contains aloe vera, black cherry, cranberry, and pomegranate juices, plus ginseng, cat's claw, ginger, ginkgo biloba, and over 50 trace minerals. 
needed for a healthy metabolism. All from natural organic sea plant sources. Get a 10% discount by using promo code GCN at checkout when you order Sea Energy from AffinitySeaEnergy.com. Call 855-732-3637. That's 855-732-3637. Or go to AffinitySeaEnergy.com today. Go solar for cheap. Want to use solar power but the price is too high? Now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200 at 123CheapSolar.com. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch the step-by-step videos that even non-handyman types can use. We offer a 60-day money-back guarantee. Go to 123CheapSolar.com or call 800-713-0486. 800-713-0486. Reduce your foreign oil dependency when you go green with 123CheapSolar.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Men, take control of your prostate health without the risk of nasty side effects with Prostate Secure. Early detection, regular prostate exams, and PSA tests are a must for men over 40. Listen, if you have symptoms of an enlarged prostate but don't want to take a drug with possible nasty side effects, or if you're over 40, then use Prostate Secure, a natural dietary supplement for men. Prostate Secure is a scientifically formulated blend of clinically significant amounts of natural ingredients. It brings together the most powerful plant sterols like beta cytosterol and saw palmetto, along with antioxidants such as vitamin D3, resveratrol, and lycopene to support good prostate health, proper urinary flow, function, and more. Check out ProstateSecure.com. Order online and save 10% with promo code SAVE10 or call 1-800-239-9432. That's 800-239-9432. Or visit ProstateSecure.com. Take control of your prostate health naturally with Prostate Secure. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. Only a few more moments to spend with our friend John Martellaro of the Mac Observer at MacObserver.com. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We focused on all iPad all the time, but no, we also talked about the fact that Apple is introducing a new software version, minor update 4.3, iOS 4.3, also iMovie and GarageBand for the iPad and enhanced iMovie, the arrival of GarageBand, and this says to me Apple is more and more seriously considering how the iPad can be used for content creation within its very severe limitations. The thing that disappoints me, and I hope we'll see this with iOS 5, is the fact that the product is still tethered to your Mac or PC for docking, syncing, etc. They haven't done anything about file systems and stuff like that. Right. 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 So that's, but Those then are two things can, I mentioned in my editorial sure. last, uh, last Wednesday, right after the iPad came out, was I, I noted that uh, there hasn't been anything done about removing that that tethering back to your Mac or your PC. I, I think a lot of people in the, in the tech journalist community kind of feel like Apple would sell a lot more of them 
if it wasn't tied to the Mac or the PC and could uh, could live off of 3G. For example, if you want to give an iPad as a present to someone, you have to worry about whether they have a Mac or a PC. If you want to give it as a present to a parent, say, um, and they're not technically equipped to do that, you'd prefer that all they have to do is turn on their iPad and get on the 3G network, and they're done. But you can't do that right now. There were predictions there would be a new version of Mobile Me introduced for the introduction of the iPad. I guess that wasn't ready. And the reason people felt that is supposedly the retail boxed versions of Mobile Me are no longer available, but maybe that's because it's just migrating to the App Store. I think part of it is to have more cloud-based storage. If you have a cloud-based storage system, you can go online and do all your syncing with your files and your stuff without having to plug it into a Mac or PC except for charging. And then you don't need them. You could just go to a wall socket. You can get an adapter for your car. You don't need to have your Mac or PC if it's just the charging purpose. Well, it's got to move that way is in addition uh, to, to make them the iPad easier to use and, and more broadly appealing. But I'm the kind of person who doesn't really... I don't like the idea of uh, my address book and my calendar and personal information being stored in the cloud without any other options. Uh, I wouldn't mind having music and videos, things that I bought, available to me in the cloud rather than using local storage. But I still want to have the option to keep my personal data, my address book and my calendar on my Mac. Uh, I think it's essential that Apple introduce uh, cloud access uh, so that people can buy an iPad without having to connect it to a Mac or a PC. That will broaden the appeal of it and, and make things convenient for many people who want to store things that they've purchased, music and, and videos in the, in the cloud rather than use local storage. Because flash storage is pretty expensive. Sure, but you're saying you don't want your address book there. Is it a matter of security or what? Yeah, it's privacy and security. I don't want that to be the only way that I can store and back up my iPad. I want to have that. It could be an option. It doesn't have to be the only way. Exactly. I want want to keep the option to sync to my Mac on a wire so that I can sync my address book and and my calendar. Don't take that option away from me. Just give me more options. So if you decide you want them separated untethered the iPad to work unto itself. But then, of course, you need a kind of a file system. Right now, there's nothing like a file system. I mean, I can see with Mac OS X Lion, all the stuff we're reading about, the developer preview of the next version of Mac OS X, they're trying to make it less dependent on your awareness of the file system. You don't have to think about, for example, saving your document, things like that. I think that's going to be one of those things that is going to appeal to many um, customers. But in the process of appealing to a broader range of customers and making their life better and easier, it doesn't necessarily mean that Apple is going to take away the previous capabilities for expert users. And I think you'll see editorials about that where people are going to fret and worry that Apple's dumbing down the Macintosh. I don't think that's going to happen, but you have to consider this also. And part of it is that Apple also wants to make it as uniform as possible. You know, for example, look at the commercials they used to have when the iPad first came out with Peter Coyote was doing the voiceover. And he says, you already know how to use it. He was saying, of course, we already know how to use touch-based systems, especially with the iPhone. So adapting to the iPad is easy. So there's more touch stuff 
with Mac OS X Lion. But I think part of it also is that Apple wants to make the learning curve as easy as possible, mastering the system as easy as possible. Oh, sure. But, but also not sure. removing the power user features. But by making it more accessible, they have an even greater advantage over Windows because they're doing things that Microsoft doesn't even think about. That's not on their radar. Windows never gets easier. If I can't run Pathfinder on Lion, I'm going to be very annoyed. But I doubt that's going to happen. I'm sure there'll be a version. I think Apple is considering here the wider base of users. Like, for example, we have Launchpad, which is going to stick all your application icons in these, oh, what do we call them, in these pages, just like the iPhone and the iPad. You know what? I don't want that. You know, I don't really either. You know, Apple has done things before that we thought were going to, that Apple thought was really going to take off, like widgets. You know, I, when, when did widgets first come out? Was that Tiger? And, you know, I've long since uh, turned that off and hardly ever use widgets. I do sometimes. Like, for example, my wife comes in and says, Gene, what's the temperature? Oh, I see it's 76 degrees in Scottsdale, Arizona. Oh, my or, phone does that. Sure, see, but I'm saying is, right yeah. <laughs> but I, what I do is I stick it in front of the screen temporarily. Now, I understand it's going to work differently in Mac OS X Lion release, and you'll have the option to display the traditional dashboard motif. But the thing I'm worried about, and I was worried about this with Lion, is whether there'd be enough meat and potatoes for people who don't want just the flash. Like you have Mission Control, for example, you throw everything, your spaces, all your open documents and applications in one cluttered screen. We've got, you know, 50, 60 different things there, and you say, all right, what? What do I do with this? Let me give you a counterexample. One of the other editors at the Mac Observer told me that they really liked the new Huffington Post app. They completely changed the user interface. So I went to the uh, App Store, and I started reading reviews before I downloaded it, and everybody hated it. They thought the original user interface for the Huffington Post News was just great, and now they've got this uh, sliding panel, sort of like Twitter on the uh, iPad, where when you touch a news item, this panel slides in, and you can go full screen if you want to, but you can just you know slide it out of the way by closing it. And people were ranting and raving and saying, this is counterintuitive, and this is an awful user interface. And then I saw one comment mixed in with all the rest, and the guy said very calmly, he says, don't believe everything you've read here. This is a really nice app. So I downloaded the new Huffington Post app, and it works, news app, and it works very much like Twitter on the iPad. And I liked the user interface. So I think what happens is, is that Apple comes out with this, these new things and, and Lion. Some of it will stick. Some of it will be part of our life forever, just like the new features of Leopard, Leopard and Snow Leopard became part of our life. And then there's things that, you know, we won't like so much or we'll figure out a defeat or third-party software will give us, a, you know, a better angle on it. Well, it'll work itself out. I do understand, of course, that they also seem to be doing more stuff with regard to security. There's a report, for example, that Apple is submitting copies of the developer preview to the security community, the black hats, so they can have at it and try to break into it, find the security leaks before the operating system gets out. Apple is more and more hiring security experts for the company. You don't hear much about them, but they're hiring these people for the specific reason that they want to make sure that they're able to make this operating system as secure as it can be. Well, there's two things there. One uh, is that um, I was talking to 
uh, Gary Egan, who's, the, who's one of the um, primaries in the semantic security response team the other day. And he said, we've gone through an evolution. First, the bad guys attacked our operating system. Holes came in through ports. Then we had firewalls, and they came in other ways. And uh, we, we locked down the operating systems pretty well. We, uh, when I say we, I mean Apple and uh, Linux, and then you know, Microsoft finally got around to doing it in Windows 7. Uh, then they decided to, the best way to attack us was to come in through port 80 and come back at us through the browser with malicious code that would do things. And then we started really getting browser security serious. And now they're going after the plugins, the plugin architecture. And we're separating Apple. that, but we're also just about out of time. We'll explore the security in future episodes. John Martellero, tell us where we can find more of the stuff you do. Okay, so uh, come to www.macobserver, one word, dot com, and you'll find everything you need to know about Macintoshes, iPads, iPhones, the world of Apple. John Martellero, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Gina, it was a pleasure talking to you again. Thank you very much for having me on the show, and let's do it again later. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you own an Apple iPhone and love to listen to your favorite programs on GCN, I've got good news for you. I'm proud to announce that GCN has a brand new iPhone app available for our dedicated listeners at GCNlive.com. Listen to your favorite hard-hitting GCN programs live or on demand right on your iPhone. And the best part? The GCN iPhone app can be yours absolutely free. Download the iPhone app today by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We join our friend from the French Alps, Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. And, of course, the big 600-pound gorilla on the table is the iPad 2. But right now, let's use a scenario here, Kirk, and you can just ride with me on this. Say you are the CEO of Motorola or of RIM or of Samsung, and you look at Steve Jobs coming out on stage, back from the dead or near dead, whatever it is, don't you think you have to go back to the drawing boards after having about 50 aspirins? Yeah, I think there are some pretty unhappy people in the tablet industry or the nascent tablet industry. It's interesting because Apple has this lead in innovation of coming up with new ideas that the other companies are always behind on. And, and if you look at the, the iPod as a good example, the different types of iPods and how the other companies have tried to keep up and they've always been way behind, the tablets for all these other companies, Motorola and Samsung and all them, have really just come out. I know the Samsung's been out for a few months, but the, the Motorola, it's not even shipping yet. And these guys are saying, okay, we built our tablet to compete with the iPad 1, and now we have the iPad 2, and oops, we have to, you know, compete with that. 
to be fair, though, and we're going to have plenty of time to talk about it, I'm not convinced that the actual changes to the iPad 2 are monumental or magical or anything like that. They're small incremental changes for the most part. However, I think they're big enough to make the difference with these other tablets that you referred to. Well, you see, the problem is here when people do the comparisons between the various tablet computers, they only compare specs. It's like comparing 500 Windows PCs. What's the best Windows PC? Well, you look at the spec sheet. And they look at them the same way. They don't consider usability. They don't consider the operating system. They say, well, this has dual cores. This has a higher resolution camera than the iPad 2. It's a 1.2 gigahertz processor rather than a 1 gigahertz processor, as if that makes the difference. But you're not really comparing apples and apples here because it's a totally different operating system, optimized totally differently. So they really don't have a clue how to really compare it. Consumer yeah, Reports I, does I, that. I think, I think I'm going to disagree with you. I think most people who buy tablets, and in fact, most people who buy computers today don't look at the processor or the speed of the processor. They may look at the amount of RAM. They may look at the size of the hard disk. Um, they may look at a device that they get their hands on. And this is, of course, one of the reasons that Apple's been doing so well in recent years. Yes, they have Kirk, to Kirk, I'm not referring to the end user. The tech okay. media looks at that stuff and they compare the spec sheets. The people okay, saying the, that the iPad 2 is not a significant upgrade, is not satisfactory, they look at the spec sheet. They're not looking at how does it work in the real world. Well, let's be fair. It doesn't work any differently than the iPad 1. It's up to two times faster, and the graphics are up to nine times faster and all of that. But the iOS itself hasn't changed. We're going to see iOS 4.3 next week. It will have only some tiny incremental changes as well. The, the only difference in operation, other than what is presumably a gain in speed, is the fact that it has cameras. Other than that, there's absolutely nothing different to the way the iPad works, the new iPad, compared to the, the current iPad. Uh, I think it's important, you know, the, the tech journalists, a lot of them were like, the iPad's going to fail. Um, so I don't really care that much about what they say, even though I'm one of them. But then I don't really generally speculate in the sense of saying, this is going to fail, this is going to be a big seller. I, I try to look at myself as an end user, and that's what I am. I use these products, and I write about how I use them. I don't write about what's inside them. Um, I, I'm not the kind of person who actually cares what the processor... I couldn't tell you what speed the processor is in the iPad 1 that I have. I couldn't tell you which type of processors in my iPad touch. That, that's not important. Um, wh what I find interesting is that Apple makes a new version, so iPad 2, uh, of a device that's... Well, it's a year old, but... Really, there aren't that many changes other than the processor. It's a little bit thinner, and we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. I said what I wanted was a little bit thinner, a little bit lighter, and a little bit faster, and we got all three of those. Okay, and the question would be then, what else would you do at this point in development to make it better? Now, some suggested, for example, okay, let's have a retina display. But the thing they're missing is, okay, so you have double the vertical, double the horizontal resolution being four times as many pixels, what's it cost to build those flat panels? Even though Apple's cornering the supply, it may not be that they could even get those parts now. That has to wait till next year. 
I think there's two considerations. One is what you want to do because you think it'll sell, and the other is what you want to do because you you have a number of things in the pipeline and you want to space them out so over a certain number of versions of a product you can keep adding innovation. So the iPad 2 does get rid of that clunky sort of square edge, which from day one I said um, that we'll look back at the iPad 1 in a few years and we'll think how clunky it was. Um, it makes it a slimmer, rounder thing, you know, similar to the iPhone and the iPod Touch. I think the Retina display is certainly something we're going to see, but I don't think Apple is necessarily in a hurry to bring it out. They Obviously, they didn't bring it out here. It's the kind of thing that the iPad 3 will need because, let's be honest, if you look at the iPod Touch and the iPhone, there's not much left you can add to these products. If you look at the iPad, there's not a whole lot you can do to make them better. Um, you can change the resolution, which would be really good because reading, say, a book on an iPad isn't as comfortable as it should be, especially when you can, you know, look at a retina display on an iPhone or an iPod Touch. So we're in a product space that is limited as far as the hardware is concerned. Now, obviously, the software can improve, and, and we saw some new programs that Apple highlighted, iMovie and GarageBand, and I've never really been convinced that GarageBand is used by a lot of people, but maybe on the iPad it will be. You know, a lot of people actually do begin audio projects, musicians, on GarageBand. Maybe they move it into Logic Studio when right. they have the money to buy a copy and also because it is compatible. Now, what's going to happen with the iPad is everyone says consumption, consumption, consumption. So Apple enhances iMovie to allow you to do more editing chores on your iPad, not quite up to the level of the desktop version. You have GarageBand, not up to the level of the desktop version, but you can do a lot of stuff, and you can start a project there. You know, you're on the road, you're in the street, you're in the garage, playing with your guitar, noodling around a little bit, and you get an idea, and you grab the iPad, and you plug it in, and you start your project, and then when you're ready to really do the work, you bring it onto your Mac today. The reason you're limited to eight tracks on the iPad is, of course, memory, disk storage space, and processor power. That's going to change. Sure. I, I think the future is clearly toward handheld computers for an awful lot of what we do. But let's be honest. As far as the hardware is concerned, Apple hit the wall pretty quickly with the iPad. Can you think of anything that they could that they could add now that would really be essential hardware aside from the Retina display? What could they do? What are we missing uh, on both the iPad and let's say the iPhone and the iPod Touch? There, I, I can't think of any hardware changes they could make. I would think with the iPad maybe a higher resolution camera that would be a sure. possibility. Maybe okay, is, also this, maybe maybe then to do other things that would allow you to, say, dock it with a network with an Ethernet jack, you know? Do you want to make your iPad live by itself? Right now, it still depends on your Mac or PC for docking, syncing, and everything. Is there anything you can do there? Can Apple get flash memory for less money so instead of having 1632 and 64, you have 3264 
and 128. All these right. questions and more. We have Kirk McElhern. He's joining us this week. We're talking about the iPad 2. Maybe we'll even discuss the potentialities of Lion Next. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. Hey neighbors, Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac, Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows, and Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. As many people know, ever since President Nixon took us off the gold standard, the U.S. dollar has been devaluating. What people don't know, however, is how this directly affects your personal finances. Is there a way to protect your portfolios from losing value? The answer to all of this is gold and silver. They both have maintained their purchasing power for 6,000 years. If you had $100,000 in cash and $100,000 in gold and silver back in 1913 and kept them until now, your cash would have the buying power of only $4,800. But your gold and silver would have the buying power of of $3 million. The answer to protecting your assets is simple. Call John Ballman today at 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Get all your questions answered before your money is worth zero. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. Take action today while we still accept paper dollars for gold. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 169. If you suffer from poor sleep, you need MyPillow. Guaranteed to be the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Using a patented fill, MyPillow adjusts to your exact individual needs by gently supporting your head, shoulders, and neck. MyPillow has a natural built-in cooling effect, keeping your cervical nerves cool, giving you the best sleep of your life. MyPillow will never go flat and relieve snoring, migraines, sleep apnea, fibromyalgia, and many other disorders. It's antimicrobial, non-allergenic, dust mite resistant, and best of all, machine washable and dryable. MyPillow is made in the USA, has an A rating with the Better Business Bureau, comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and an industry-leading 10-year warranty. Order today at MyPillow.com or call 952-442-6199. That's 952-442-6199. Mention coupon code GCN and receive 20% off your order. What do you have to lose except poor sleep? MyPillow.com, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own, guaranteed. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to 
fit your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver. That's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver. UtopiaSilver.com or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338. UtopiaSilver.com. Taking back America's health care one American at a time. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, just send it to news at technightall.com. That's news at technightall.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from technightall.com slash radio. That's technightall.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. We return with Kirk McElhern, author and commentator, writes Take Control Books, has McElhern.com, and writes for Macworld Magazine. We're exploring the good, the bad, and the ugly for the iPad, the new iPad, which we can call the iPad 2 because that's what Apple calls it. So it's kind of like the movie. So next year it's going to be the iPad 3. has to be Yeah, Apple's clearly on an annual cycle, uh, as they are with iPods and iPhones. I just want to come back to what you were saying before the break. All, all of the changes that you're talking about are incremental changes to existing features. Higher resolution camera. Okay, they've got the camera. They didn't put it in version 1 because... They knew that they needed to have something hardware to add to version 2. Imagine if the camera had been in version 1. So what the best they could do would be improve it in version 2. Um, more memory, that's a given. Over time, everything's going to have more memory. Faster processors, they're all going to have that. But I'm talking about actual hardware features that they can add, not, not a better resolution screen or camera. I don't see very much that they could add. Do they want to put some kind of little controller button on the side to make games that would work differently from touch things? This is really minimal. Your, your suggestion of syncing with iTunes over a network via Wi-Fi, this is something that I've been asking for for years, and I'm surprised that they don't do it. There are reasons to do with throughput. I think this is something we're going to see. Maybe we'll see it with this year, You know, the, the, the iPods that are going to be released in the fall. Maybe we'll see it next year. I think we're getting closer to that happening. But in terms of actual hardware, I, I truly think that the iPad has hit the wall already, and there's nothing more that they can add. Okay, you know what? I wasn't just saying wireless file transfer. I'm thinking wired. I mean, that dock, that port, okay, that connection port is handling data transfer now to iTunes. So you can get an adapter maybe for Ethernet. You have an adapter for HDMI. You have an Ethernet adapter. That way, if you do plug it into a network, you get faster file transfer. It wouldn't make that much of a difference. People don't transfer files that much that it would make a difference. Well, right uh, now, because there's no file system to speak of. You know, well, the, you can still add files. And, for instance, you do a GarageBand project or, or an iMovie project, you get it off by connecting to iTunes and, and copying it that way. It syncs to iTunes through the dock connector. What you regard as a file system, there's no central file no, repository no that's file shared. System. Each app has its own files. That's right, it. and I don't think we'll ever see that, but I don't see the, the, the point of, of, 
of a, of a wired connection doesn't make sense. If anything, we're going to have faster wireless. There's new wireless protocols that we'll be seeing in the next couple of years, and, and that will total, totally eliminate the need for a wired connection. Um, I don't see that, but I don't see any hardware changes that Apple can make unless they invent something. We should focus, though, not so much on the hardware, because I agree with you. Well, exactly. I, sure, the because I think people, be the, the press is going to keep bugging Apple about the hardware, the hardware, the hardware. It's all about usability. If the lighter, thinner iPad is an easier load for single-hand reading, it's not now, the current model. I don't know about the new one. I've heard some preliminary reports from those who were at Apple's session saying, you know what, it would be, but they didn't have the chance to sit there in the bedroom for a couple of hours and not have their wrists ache. So we don't know. The key is a software. Where's Apple yeah. going to go with iOS 5? What are they going to do to improve the user experience, to add the things that maybe we might feel they need to improve upon? What would you think in terms of that? You know, it's it's always hard to predict where an operating system is going. You know, as we've seen over the years with Mac OS X, again, these are always incremental upgrades. There's never any sort of earth-shattering change. Maybe Expose was a pretty big change. Time Machine was a nice interface to a backup system. This being a touch-based interface, there's not a lot they can do. I mean, they're not going to have windows and folders. They don't. It shouldn't have windows and folders. In recent years, we've gotten to the point where pretty much everything we use is relatively sophisticated, and the incremental changes that we're seeing are just that, incremental. They're tweaks, they're refinements. What can they do to make it better? You know, maybe in a couple of years we'll have some sort of a 3D screen that people can use without glasses. Uh, I could see a 3D interface with someone made a sort of finder replacement some years ago that was a, a sort of fake 3D type interface. I don't know if you remember this. You would scroll backward and forward through documents and things. I could see something like that, but I almost wonder if it's not too complicated. The, the, the iPad itself is simplicity because you have a bunch of icons, you flip through them, you tap them, and they launch. It's so much more simple than a computer. I don't think you need anything complicated. If anything, you'll get more powerful applications. What yes, but you I still come back to the beginning. More powerful applications, you're still going to have some sort of rudimentary file system that you can manage. Not like the Mac, not as complicated as the Mac, because we're seeing now even with Mac OS X Lion, Apple wants to simplify the user experience. They want people to move back and forth between iOS and Mac OS X products and not have to undergo a learning curve and not have to learn to do things differently. This is what they're doing now, real integration. Which, which is a good thing, which is a good thing. I think we can all, we'll, we'll all gain from, from operating systems becoming a little bit more simple. Right. So that's one thing, and that's one of the first things that Apple's done. But, of course, with the iOS, it was designed to be simple from the start, but there are areas, like I said, where they're going to have to make changes. I mean, one common criticism, for example, is push notification. Right now you get the modal dialogue, someone telling you something, but then you get three more. Replacing the first, and there's no way to bring up the last five, ten messages, which you can do, by the way, in the Google Android operating system. Maybe that is the only advantage that operating system has over the iOS. Yeah, again, these are tweaks. You know, there's a little thing like... In, in a recent version of the iOS, the, the, the orientation lock button was changed, and now you have to do it from the screen, and then they're bringing that back in the next version to make it an option. And, you know, Apple makes changes, and they come back, and they learn from user experience. But, again, these are all tweaks. 
I'd love to be able to say, here's what's going to happen. Here's my predictions. And, you know, we'll check in three years and see what happened. Um, But I I don't buy the file system idea. I don't see iOS ever having a visible file system. There, There are programs that can sort of work like this. The Dropbox program lets you interface with files you've stored in a Dropbox as if it were on a file system. But I just don't see this as being essential for the way the iPad works. I think if anything, they have it done in a rudimentary way, Kurt. I mean, if you want to have a document that's shared by several different apps, you have to have some kind of central repository. It doesn't have to be anything like what you have on the Mac, but just really bare bones, the simplest possible way of managing files without the need to go to a third-party app. I think one of the things that Apple's probably going to add to the iOS is some sort of a sharing system. Do you remember, I think it was the Palm Pilot, you would like press a button and you would beam your contact information to someone else with a Palm Pilot. Okay. I, I, I can see um, something like that happening in the iPad. Now, if we look at what Apple's announced about macOS X Lion, uh, there's a thing called AirDrop, and it spots all the Macs on your network, presumably that are running Lion. I don't know if it works with other versions. I don't think so. And you'll have a little icon and you drop a file and boom, it goes to the other Mac. Depending on their preferences, the, the other user's preferences, they'll either get an alert or it'll just automatically go to their downloads folder. I assume yeah. then the integration there would be among your iOS devices too or could be potentially. Kirk McElhern joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. The collapse of the dollar is imminent. You can protect your wealth by buying gold, silver, and strong foreign currencies. But what if the government confiscates your precious metals, implements exchange controls, or nationalizes your retirement? You need a backup plan. That's why you must move your wealth into an offshore asset protection structure. Go to CollapseProof.com to get your free special report and discover how to store your gold and silver in the world's safest vaults or how to hold foreign currencies in a way that's safe from bank failures, bank runs, or exchange controls. Learn how the U.S. government failed to collect a $36 million claim because the defendant legally used an offshore asset protection program. This is what you need to keep your wealth safe when the dollar collapses and CollapseProof.com can help. Our programs are 100% compliant with U.S. law, but you must act now before it's too late. Call 800-798-2008. That's 800-798-2008. CollapseProof.com. Asset protection in financially unsafe times. Sore throat? Spray that with Dermatol. Diaper rash? Spray that with Dermatol. Ouch! Burn or cut? 
Spray that with Dermatol for shockingly fast relief. If you had room for only one first aid product in your preparedness kit, you need Dermatol because it works on almost every skin irritation or injury. All natural Dermatol brings amazing relief to burns, cuts, scrapes, bites, boils, shingles, rashes, elderly skin tears, even chronic diabetic ulcers and bed sores. Dermatol is an all natural antimicrobial, antiviral, and antifungal wound cleanser that speeds healing with no side effects, is safe for all ages and skin types, and is even safe enough to spray on sore throats or onto sore eyes. Read our many testimonials at Dermatol.com, spelled D-E-R-M-A-T-O-L.com. Order online at Dermatol.com or call 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. Effective, efficient, economical. Spray it all with Dermatol. There's a man named Dr. Wallach who is anything but your typical doctor. Both a veterinarian and naturopathic physician, Doc asks... Why does the United States spend more money on health care by far and still rank 50th in health and longevity worldwide? He believes that people should empower themselves with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs leading to side effects. This is clearly a deadly recipe. The good news is Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government and big pharma manipulation of our healthcare system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about healthcare and have joined forces to help this tireless crusader spread his message. Visit InfoWarsTeam.com and listen to Dr. Wallach's Deadly Recipes lecture. It makes a lot of sense, and I want you to join our InfoWars team. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night All Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We return with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We've been exploring the iPad 2, the good, bad, ugly. Mostly it's pretty good. And I think Apple has set up a really good blackboard here for the future with capabilities for the future. And we have to see how this plays out in iOS 5. So before we go into some Lion-related discussions here, I want to cover a couple of more things. Looking at iOS 5. Is there anything there that you think is a must-have, then? If we don't cover the file system, what should Apple be thinking of adding? And no doubt it's already added. It's just a matter of testing it and showing us what's going on. Well, just, just before the break, we were talking about this airdrop in uh, Mac OS X. And what I was going to get to um, before you cut me off for the break was to say that while this is working in Macs, what's interesting about the way it works is it doesn't require a Wi-Fi router. Um, Devices can detect other devices and automatically create an ad hoc network. Ad hoc, three, two, one. Devices can detect other devices and automatically create an ad hoc network to exchange files. I would see something like this being added to iOS. So two people sitting next to each other in a coffee shop can pass a file from one to the other without any sort of network voodoo. Um, just you know, one sees the other sends the file, and the other one, the first person gets a, a dialogue asking if he wants to save it as a way to exchange things much more easily across these devices. 
Other than that, you know, uh, again, the, the whole file system thing, all the tech journalists are going to complain that there's no file system and Android has a file system, which I don't even know, to be honest, if it does. I don't think we're going to see it. I think we're going to see more refinements. I think we're going to see more speed. I think we're going to see different ways of displaying things. I, I think maybe different ways of organizing applications. I think we're going to see true multitasking, kind of like Expose in Mac OS X, where you can see all your windows at once instead of having to... Uh, double-click the little home button and, and click another thing, I think we'll get to the point where multitasking will be just a swipe away. But again, there, there may be some revolutionary ideas, but I can't see a whole lot of them standing out for things that people are, are you know, begging to have. In I, I see a cleanup around the edges. You know, I mentioned better notification of the push notification system, for example. Maybe right. adding more desktop capabilities to macOS mail for the iOS so, for example, for mail for the iOS, we could have multiple signatures, not just one, for different accounts. Sure. Seems elementary. Spam filtering seems elementary. Email rules. So, for example, I have email rules on my desktop Mac. When it right. goes to sleep, my iPhone right now is receiving the mail, but the mail is not being funneled into the folders where it's supposed to go because there's no filtering. So you have the filtering system. None of this should require immense use of system resources. Stuff like that. Ways that they can improve things. In other words, it's not major. It's just cleaning up the rough edges, smoothing it out, making it easier to use, but also adding essential features that are missing now because it's too bare bones in some respects. Well, remember, they don't want to, if I can say it, shoot their proverbial load all at once. They need to have additional features they can add. I mean, what, when you think about the fact that they didn't have copy and paste in the first version of iOS, that's kind of embarrassing. And they actually managed to make it a big deal. Wow, Apple's had copy and paste, you know, when it came out. So all of these things you're mentioning, they, they probably have a list. They say, here's the essential features, and we're going to include them now. Here's the ones that we'll include in the updates so we can say we have new features. Because let's be honest, it's hard to come up with new features for an operating system, for the applications in an operating system. We're at a level of sophistication with computers that when is the last time you saw a new program that really surprised you or shocked you? Wow, I never thought a program could do this. And I don't mean games. I mean, you know, utilities, productivity programs, anything like that. I, I can't remember anything for years. So, you know, we're at the point where everything's incremental. Um, when iPad 3 and 4 and 5, they're going to be thinner, they're going to have, they're going to be lighter, they'll figure out a way to make the glass a little bit lighter, because I think the glass is what's still keeping the thing as heavy as it is. Yeah, it's still a thinner panel, though. They're getting there. Yeah. Maybe it'll be carbon fiber, and that'll be a little lighter, and there'll be better battery life and faster processor, but it's essentially going to be the same thing. It'll just look a little bit better. We're not... A lot of the creativity is not going to come just from Apple because the iOS just enables you to run apps. And, of course, Apple has some of their own. The creativity should come from the third-party software developers who will look at the iPad and say, my heavens, we could do this, we can do that, we can add these features, we can make ourselves a couple of million dollars in doing it, but we can advance the platform. And that also inspires Apple to add other improvements. So it's really still the entire ecosystem. This is where... If everything else was almost equal, this is where Apple has the edge over Android. Well, it, I think it's fair to say that what, what made the iPhone and the iOS is the developers. That if developers hadn't flocked to iOS and made some really wonderful apps, 
um, the iPhone would never have been as popular. The iPhone itself is a wonderful thing, but as you say, it's the creativity of the applications that are used, um, the, the, the ideas that people come up with, the unique games and things like that, that, that gave the iOS this, this huge advantage. And the fact that Apple opened up the system you know, in, in a relative manner um, to developers quite easily that had an app store um, with, you know, millions now where they say 200 million people have accounts. Um, so for developers, there's a huge market. The system is easy, relatively easy to deal with uh, for users in terms of buying things. And, and I think that's the real um, key. I've always felt that the reason that the iPod is successful is not so much because it's an iPod, which in itself is an impressive device. It wasn't the first. It's the integration with iTunes uh, in the first place that allowed for syncing. And in the second place, it's the iTunes music store, which became the iTunes store, that turned it into an ecosystem of hardware, software, and purchasing that made it just very simple for people to buy content. I think that's the big thing that Apple has in the advantage over Android. There's also a story this week, by the way, and you're a security guy, you would appreciate this, about some kind of malware-laden apps, some 50 of them that were removed from Google's Android marketplace. And, of course, Google is congratulated for acting this way, but if they had a decent way of reviewing these apps ahead of the time, they wouldn't have to close the barn door after the cattle had left. I mean, what about the people who were infected? Oh, yeah, you can get antivirus software for Android. We're back to Windows again. Why do we need Mm -hmm. that? It's kind of surprising that that would happen. That Okay, you can complain that Apple is very strict regarding how they approve software and all that, but as of yet, there hasn't been any malware in Apple apps. There have been some issues of apps collecting data um, in ways that they shouldn't, but you would think that the Android store would be managed a little bit better, that they would be able to test these things and you know, weed out this kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing um, for, for, for the whole Android ecosystem to know that this sort of thing can happen. It stands to reason. There is no control to speak of. And then the worst thing is Google had a patch to fix some problems with the operating system, but you have to wait for the wireless carriers to deploy that patch. And then you're not even guaranteed that the individual user, when they buy an Android-based phone, can get the latest and greatest operating system. Apple pushes it to everyone. You have iOS 4.3. Yeah, the older iPod touches or iPhones can't use it. But anyone who has an iPhone compatible, on the 11th of March, they can just download it and have it installed automatically. They don't have to wait for a carrier or wait for the whims of the manufacturer to say, you know what, we deign to give you this update. We'll give it to you now. This is one of the things I don't get about the whole Android thing, that they, they get this, for some reason, they get this right to claim that it's an open system, whereas it's far more closed than Apple in the sense that your carrier decides on what you can have among what's available. And even worse, even worse, the carrier can say, you know what, I don't like the theme, the look and feel, the official right. Android look. I'm going to change it. I don't like the app state bundle. I'm going to change it. Oh, it's yep. Google. That's the search tool. I don't care. I made a contract with Microsoft. That's what Verizon yeah. did. I'm going to give you Bing. Nothing wrong with Bing. But, you know, maybe I don't want that. I want whatever came with the raw 
unvarnished Android system. We have Kirk McElhern joining us for one more session on the Tech Night Owl Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockaways lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockaways is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockaway, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. You really can lose weight while you're sleeping. Guaranteed. AffinityDiet.com introduces Lose and Snooze and the One Day Diet. Great tasting Lose and Snooze from AffinityDiet.com is the first step in our guaranteed weight loss system. Lose and Snooze will help your body get a deep restorative sleep without the harmful side effects of pharmaceutical drugs. And during deep natural sleep, your body starts to shed unwanted pounds, build lean muscle, and lose inches. Add AffinityDiet.com's One Day Diet waivers and your metabolism keeps going with all the vitamins and minerals you need with no rebound effect. But don't worry, you're never more than 24 hours from your favorite foods. Learn more about Lose and Snooze and the One Day Diet at AffinityDiet.com, spelled A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y Diet.com, or call toll-free 855-663-3438. That's 855-663-3438. Finally, a diet that succeeds where others have failed from AffinityDiet.com. Going solar for cheap is as easy as one, two, three. If you want to go solar but thought the setup costs were too high, now you can build your own solar panels for less than $200. Don't laugh. We've sold over 45,000 solar do-it-yourself kits. Watch our introduction video at 123cheapsolarvideo.com. The video is free, but it won't last long. Save money on electric bills and get off the grid. Go to 123cheapsolarvideo.com right now. Our website again is 123cheapsolarvideo.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, star brokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Men, take control of your prostate health without the risk of nasty side effects with Prostate Secure. Early detection, regular prostate exams, and PSA tests are a must for men over 40. Listen, if you have symptoms of an enlarged prostate but don't want to take a drug with possible nasty side effects, or if you're over 40, then use Prostate Secure, a natural dietary supplement for men. Prostate Secure is a scientifically formulated blend of clinically significant amounts of natural ingredients. It brings together the most powerful plant sterols like beta-cytosterol, and saw palmetto, along with antioxidants such as vitamin D3, resveratrol, and lycopene.
need to support good prostate health, proper urinary flow, function, and more. Check out ProstateSecure.com. Order online and save 10% with promo code SAVE10 or call 1-800-239-9432. That's 800-239-9432. Or visit ProstateSecure.com. Take control of your prostate health naturally with Prostate Secure. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You are listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We're back with Kirk McElhern, author and commentator. We've talked about iPad 2, possibilities for iOS, a little bit of lion, but... In advance of the release of iOS 4.3, we got a new version of iTunes. Tell us about it, Kirk. Yeah, iTunes 10.2 came out the day of Apple's iPad 2 presentation. And Apple said, basically, the the changes are compatibility with the iPad 2 and with iOS 4.3. But I took a quick look at it. As soon as it came out, I wrote an article for Tidbits because I found so many changes that I was actually surprised. Some of the things were preferences that were changed, removed, or added. One thing that really stood out was that if you look at the iTunes preferences, you have these toolbar buttons, and in iTunes 10, they went from colored to all gray, drab, windowsy buttons, and now they're back to colored again. Now, everyone who complained about the the black and white icons in the sidebar is hoping that Apple's about face in the preference toolbar buttons might want to do the same thing in the sidebar. The most interesting thing, though, is the new implementation of what's called home sharing. Now, home sharing is either the way that you can share your content over your network. So one iTunes library on one computer will show up in the sidebar of another copy of iTunes, and you can listen to content. It's also a way that you can copy content from one computer to another if they're authorized with the same iTunes Store account. Home sharing in iOS 4.3 is going to expand a little bit so you can actually, using an iOS device, listen to content or even view content that's in an iTunes library. So my scenario here in my home in the French Alps is when I want to sit outside and watch the mountains grow and listen to music, I'll take an iPod, but wow, you know, I don't have all my music on my iPod Touch and it doesn't have a lot of capacity and wouldn't it be great if I could just access my iTunes library and listen to my music and oh wow, now I'll be able to do that. Obviously, it goes further than that. If you have a bunch of videos, TV shows, movies or whatever in your iTunes library and you want to lie down in bed and watch a movie, you don't have to plug your iPad in, sync the video and then go back to your bed to watch it. No, you just load your iTunes library and start watching it on the iPad. So this is bringing a situation where we're closer to having a sort of a centralized iTunes server that can provide content to different computers in your home. And in fact, the way it works now, you could almost set up one copy of iTunes with all your um, content. The only thing you can't do is sync from a different machine to an iPod getting content from that library. So that's just that's, that's the next step. But right now, the way the home sharing is going to work um, is extremely interesting because you'll be able to get content to any sort of Apple device, be it a, or, or even a Windows PC, um, you know, computers and iPhones and iPod touches and iPads. 
Okay, where would you improve this? Do you think that's, of course, the bee's knees, or is there more that Apple could do to make it better? Well, what, what I think, and, and I wrote an article for Macworld a few months ago talking about an iTunes server. Um, the first thing you would need is you would need to be able to sync from, let's say that you, your, your, your desktop computer, your iMac has your iTunes library, and your laptop in a different room you're using to share that library. So you're able to access all the content. It would be great if you could plug your iPod into that laptop and sync your music and your videos from the library, which is on a different computer. Now, there are bandwidth issues here because depending on how much you're going to sync over a Wi-Fi network, it's going to take a certain amount of time. You can get a few megabytes per second with uh, the fastest Wi-Fi today, but it's not a, a constant speed. So if you're going to be syncing, you know, HD videos or something to an iPad, it can take a while. But that's really the next step that they need to do to turn iTunes into something where a single copy of iTunes can function as a server for, for a, a group of home users. This, of course, is another argument in favor of my suggestion that you have the ability, at least on iPad 2, to have wired networking. So when you need that extra throughput where Wi-Fi isn't sufficient, you can just plug it into your network, and on your Mac and PC, you can just smooth the files over, and you're limited only by the speed of your hard drive. Of course, if they have a music library like Kirk McElhern does, it'll still take three days. Well, the problem is that most people don't have wired networks. You and I may have some Ethernet. I actually Oh, yeah, you know, you do have the capability. I mean, if you have an Apple Airport Extreme, you have extra Ethernet ports. Almost every major router has extra ports for wired networking. You need to be plugging an Ethernet cable into that Airport Extreme, and you need to be in a position where you're close enough to do so. No, wireless is the wave of the future. The only reason oh, we know that. We know 4G is supposed to be faster than just about the fastest cable Internet you can get now. Sure. Exactly. So, no, I, I don't see the wired connection being useful. But what I do see is, here's, here's, the, here's the scenario. You've got your Mac Mini, let's say. You set up a Mac Mini as a server. You've got all your iTunes in there. And each user connects to that library, creates their playlists in their individual computers, and is able to sync from their individual computer all that content over the network. They can play it whenever they want. There's a, there's a new setting in iTunes 10.2 that says that when you play something uh, from a shared library, it updates the last play date and the play count on the computer where the, the files are actually located. Um, a lot of people, I particularly like this because when I play something, say, off my Apple TV, I have a bunch of smart playlists that say, you know, music by whatever artist that I haven't listened to in a long time. So if I listen, if I stream to my Apple TV, then it doesn't get updated and that kind of messes up my playlists. Um, so so the, the situation is now that the sharing is such that you can basically have a satellite computer that's going to interact with your iTunes library and update all the information exactly as you really need it to happen. The server version of Mac OS X is bundled with the client version. It's just a different type of install. Hmm. It is officially stated by Apple. It's it's on one of their web pages. It seems interesting to me that, first of all, assuming that when you buy Lion, you get a license for both of these things, and you don't have to buy, say, 
an unlocker to access the server. What it means is that instead of selling the server software for $500, they're selling it bundled with Lion, which is, we can speculate, $129. We, we can assume it's going to be that price. So it's a big price drop. I, I think what they're trying to do is bring the server concept toward more home users before they roll more server features into the actual client software. And this could be server features that deal particularly with media such as iTunes and iPhoto. Um, it could also be more server features for sharing files. Um, I, I think that we definitely have a future where a server is something that we're going to – a lot of people are going to have a server at home and they may not even realize it. It, it may get so simple to use that it will be trivial. Well, when you're looking at the information here, Apple is basically referring to very basic setups. But if we're talking about, obviously, a product that used to be $499, right. and now it's part of a $129 system installation, okay? Right. this is a humongous improvement because it means now that those who are considering using Mac OS X server have no excuse. You buy a copy of Mac OS X, use it either way. Do what you want. Experiment with it. Of course, Apple is not producing an X-Serve anymore, but, you know, their audience didn't want those. Well, they're selling the Mac Mini server, which is extremely popular among small businesses sure. as a workgroup server and all that. Um, if you notice, one of the features they present when they talk about server is file sharing for iPad. It, what it says is enabling web dev and Lion server gives iPad users the ability to access, copy, and share documents from applications such as keynote numbers and pages. So they're looking at this concept of a file server specifically designed for the iPad, which, as we said earlier, doesn't have a file system, um, which really opens up the same question, will they do that on Mac OS X client? to have some sort of a system where instead of having to share files through iTunes as you do now, drag and drop system, there'll be a different kind of file sharing system over a network. I, I think it's pretty much a given that that's going to happen, whether it'll be in Lion or not, it, you know, depends on a number of things. We'll go more into Lion in future episodes of the show with Kirk McElher and other guests. But right now, Kirk, tell us where we can find more of the stuff that you write about. Well, Macworld.com, where I write regular columns. Um, I wrote an article for Tidbits about what's new in iTunes 10.2. Uh, obviously, my website, McElhern.com. That's M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. And a couple of Take Control books, Take Control of iTunes. And I'm working on some more Take Control books, which should be we should be able to talk about them in a couple of months. Kirk McElhern, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene. Coming up next on the show, we'll explore more of what Apple did this week to the rest of the tech industry with Daniel Aaron Dilger from Roughly Drafted Magazine. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. 
Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night All Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine at RoughlyDrafted.com. He also hangs out at Apple Insider. At AppleInsider.com, that has nothing to do with Apple Cider. It has something to do with Apple Insider, right, Daniel? Yeah, that's true. Okay, let's just perceive what's happened this week. Motorola has a brand new tablet spending large amounts of money on their brand new tablet computer. And then Apple comes out with the iPad 2. Steve Jobs is still alive, obviously. And they must be really in strange condition right now, wondering what they do next. Well, it seems an awful lot like 2009, when, remember, Palm came out with the Pre in January, and they were talking about how it was going to blow the iPhone away. And a lot of people that saw it saw it. It was, great. It was a cool demo, and you know, had you know nice graphics and stuff on it. And it used a faster chip than the iPhone from the previous year. And there were a number of pundits started making these predictions that it was going to blow Apple away. And um, at the time, I remember thinking, well, first of all, Palm doesn't have a lot of the things that Apple has in the market. They don't have retail stores. They don't have the apps. You know, a lot of things that are kind of backing up the iPhone. But secondly, I mean, when you look at a competitor releasing a product, Apple's historical secrecy should lead you to maybe predict that perhaps Apple is not going to just keep selling last year's product, even even though they're not talking about what they're going to do. So, I mean, what happened with the Palm Pre is that right before it went on sale, Apple came out with iPhone 4, which had the similar kind of processing capabilities, but it had a lot more uh, mature software because Apple had been working on it for three years already. I mean, the software upgraded to take advantage of this new hardware. It wasn't all you know, enti- entirely brand new frameworks and APIs and everything. So, you know, Palm was trying to enter the market, which is very difficult to do, something that's already kind of established, and they found out that's quite a difficult task. And... Motorola is kind of doing this exact same thing against the iPad. So the first iPad came out. It was very successful the first year. And in January of this year, they announced this Zoom. And they made it sound like the iPad was just, you know, yesterday's news. And the Zoom was going to be great because it had a faster processor. And some other benefits, it had this, you know, Android 3.0 with this 3D, you know, more complex user interface. But why did they use the name Zoom with an X? It sounds like Zoom. It does. That seems like a bad choice of a name. What were I'm, they I'm thunking sure. or thinking? I'm Who could have sure. thunk it? Well, you know, Apple has very predictable names. I mean, they have names that kind of all fit together. Motorola is kind of all over the place. And until kind of recently, in the last year, they started kind of getting their stuff back together and working with Verizon and having this whole kind of droid branding. Historically, run into this problem where they had all these different groups working on different things. So they had kind of internal competition, and it was creating a mess. And so finally they kind of got together 
with this Android strategy and, and sort of started coming back into the black, they weren't losing money anymore, and they were doing better based largely upon being able to sell, the, kind of being the, the top-tier Android maker in the United States. They're competing against HTC, which is kind of smaller, but Motorola has branding and um, they kind of focus the resources on a few phones. So coming out with the Zoom is is kind of an odd strategy because it doesn't use the same software. It doesn't use the same version of Android. It uses a completely different version that's kind of targeted for a, a totally different type of product. I mean, the iPhone and the iPad are different, but when you use them, they're very familiar. You go back and forth between them, everything works the same. It's the same operating system with just some minor differences to accommodate the different size screens, like a different way that mail is laid out, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, there's actually there's actually quite a bit of difference, but it's, it, the way it's presented, it's accessible. So if you're familiar with the iPhone, you start working with an iPad, it's very familiar. And if you're a developer, you're creating iPhone apps, it's not too much of a stretch to create iPad apps. Whereas with Motorola, they're using the same core operating system, but the user interface is quite different. So it can run older apps, but it, it works them in kind of a different way. Settings and everything are completely different. So it's kind of like going from XP, which you know people are familiar with Windows XP, jumping to Vista, where everything looks completely different. The settings are in different places. Stuff is not going to work the same way. And on top of that, it, it requires kind of a whole new generation of software to run. So it's, it's not difficult to understand that Android 3 is running into just their strategy is, you know, in my opinion, not very well thought out. If you're trying to leverage what you've already done, you expand upon it in a way that your existing customers will be able to recognize. They didn't do that. They came up with this whole new ballgame. It's very odd. And the name, like you say, that's that's very odd that they would evoke Microsoft's iPod killer. <laughs> it's not really something you want to bring up in comparison when you're doing that kind of product. Okay, well, the other thing I worry about with Motorola, we understand they're trying to compete with the iPad. They had to have known that Apple would probably introduce a new model on or before spring because that's their way. That's Apple's way. We know that's going to happen. Every rumor site has it. And a lot of the guessing about what the iPad 2 would take was pretty well on the mark, really. So they already know that whatever hardware advantages they have, those would be largely equaled, supplanted, whatever, by Apple. The second thing they ought to know is how do you sell a product to compete with the number one, but you want more money for it. How do you do that? What kind of mindset says it's going to be seven ninety nine or eight hundred dollars when the basic iPad is four ninety nine? Yeah, those are really weird decisions too. Everyone kept talking about Android like it was going to usher in this whole bunch of far cheaper devices, and it's not. Android phones are not significantly cheaper. There are some kind of low end models that Apple doesn't currently make anything that's designed to be sold for $100. I mean, although they have the last year's, you know, the, the 2009 3GS is still being sold for $49. But in the tablet market, there's more opportunity because there's less, fewer models are going to be subsidized by carriers. So price is becoming more important and it's more expensive product. And you already have from last year, you have all the products were the same price as the iPad or more, and they were smaller. They were like little kind of oversized smartphones instead of like a iPad-sized tablet. And those didn't work out really well. I mean, people weren't willing to pay the same or more for less. 
So you'd think this year they would kind of clue into that and think maybe we have to offer something that's cheaper. The problem is they just can't do that because, I mean, Apple has kind of powerful economies of scale going on right now where they can buy, you know, millions of displays and chips and all these different components for really good prices. And so it's it's very difficult. I'm not just saying that Motorola is stupid. They're, they have a difficult problem engineering-wise set up in front of them. How do you come into the market and make something that's not just going to lose you money? Because if they sell a small number of um, devices that are cheaper than the iPad and don't make any money, they're not really winning. <laughs> so they really have to – what they decided to do is kind of come in on the higher end of the market and try to offer something that Apple doesn't. And seemingly not thinking that Apple might be able to match them in most of those regards. I mean, that seems kind of naive. I don't know. And the other thing that's kind of weird is that... in a world, though, Daniel, that the Apple product was always perceived to be more expensive. You know? Someone says to them, and the press still does it, you know, Apple's products are much more expensive than anyone else's. And I say, have you looked at an iPod lately? Have you looked at the iPhone because... It sells against $199, $299 smartphones. Look at the iPad. How do you say Apple is more expensive? So some idiot product manager over at Motorola says, hey, this is a good price point because Apple has expensive gear. They didn't actually look at the price list. Because if they did, they have to be galactically stupid to have come up with this decision. Well, that's it's pretty unanimous that everyone that I've seen that's looked at, at the the Zoom's price says, "What were they thinking? Eight hundred bucks, <laughs> you know." And then, kind of after they launch the price, then they say, "Oh, we have the cheaper Wi-Fi model for what is it, six hundred or whatever it is, six ninety nine or five ninety nine? I think six hundred dollars." Um, that seems like the wrong. I mean, what you really want to do? I mean, Apple came out and said four ninety nine, and then you know it goes up from there instead oh. of saying it starts off at eight hundred dollars and then goes down. <laughs> you know, one it doesn't is, make sense to oh, me, but will make a lot more sense, sense coming up. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number, 1-877-804-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. So, disable the cable and get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV right now to sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and up to four rooms. And there's no equipment to buy. That includes your free HDTV upgrade, your free DVR upgrade, and your free professional installation. And the best part? The pristine digital picture and sound. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. So, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. Disable the cable, cut costs, and get more. Call 1-877-804-MY-TV. 1-877-804-MY-TV. 
It's the winter cold and flu supplement sale at HerbalHealer.com. Take advantage of Herbal Healer Academy's incredible savings on the best cold and flu supplements available. Many of you know elderberry is exceptional against viral infections. Right now, Herbal Healer Academy has elderberry power. Regularly priced at $16.95, now incredibly low at only $10 for 60 vegetarian caps. For children and seniors, our Herbal Healer Academy flu away elderberry liquid is only $13 for a 4-ounce bottle. Also on super sale, olive leaf capsules, oregano oil plus capsules, and our incredible Respirate formula, oregacillin physician strength capsules for your lungs. Normally $34.95, now just $25. Hit the winter specials link at HerbalHealer.com for these cold and flu supplement specials and other on-sale products like apple cider vinegar, brain power, and neuro recovery. New customers get a free catalog with your first order. Log on and hit the winter specials now at HerbalHealer.com. Gold isn't for you? Ted Anderson, president of Midas Resources, one of the world's premier gold and precious metal investing firms. I get it. You wouldn't buy gold if you believed that the government is doing a great job, that the Fed will stop handing out trillions of dollars like bailout candy, that Social Security would be there for you. That's not what's happening. You might even pass on gold if the stimulus package wouldn't fuel inflation, or that the dollar wouldn't lose value, or that your retirement would be secure. If all looks rosy to you, then now is not the time to buy gold. For the realists, there have never been more sobering reasons to diversify with gold. Since 2001, the U.S. dollar index has tanked 30%, while gold has risen 300%. Right now, savvy investors are adding gold to their portfolios. You should, too. Find out what they know. Call us, and I'll send you 10 reasons why gold will do very well, free. 800-686-2237. 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Reality check. There are many so-called health products coming out that are here today but will be gone tomorrow. They're fads. They're hype and a lot of gimmick. Life Change Tea is no fad. We've been around for years and we've been slowly growing. And our products have attracted loyal customers. Why? Because our products work. Cleansing your body. Losing weight. More energy and better overall health. And you might ask, says who? Our customers say. A company shows its colors with how many people reorder the product. So don't be afraid. We're the real deal. Log on to GetTheTea.com and read all the testimonies. In fact, log on and order at GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Or call us at 928-308-0408. There's no call centers, just a friendly operator. 928 928- 308-0408. Once again, 928-308-0408. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night All Live, just send it to news at technightall.com. That's News at TechNightOwl.com. And if you want to catch up on past episodes, we have hundreds of shows for you to download direct from TechNightOwl.com slash radio. That's TechNightOwl.com slash radio. Or check us out at iTunes. Return with us now with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and Apple Insider. We're exploring the iPad 2, but more important... What the iPad killers missed out on, what Motorola missed out on, where they screwed up because they come up with a product that has, you know, decent hardware specs. 
but it's more expensive. It looks clunky. Right now, you have this slim, sleek iPad 2. It's slightly, ever so slightly thinner than the iPhone 4. Now, that's interesting how Apple did that. Yes, it's a pretty cool design. It's kind of interesting, too, to see how Apple is taking certain technologies and using them across its product line. And one of them is a construction with the MacBook Air when it first came out. They basically took a piece of metal and machined out the inside of it. So it's kind of a, a shell. So you have a rigid shape that's really strong, but it's also really thin. And they're doing that with all their MacBooks now. And that's the same um, design of, of the iPad. It's this piece that's milled out. So it's one structural piece with like a glass cover. So it allows you to make a very strong, very rigid, but very thin shell of your device. Pretty much everyone else is using the same kind of PC design, you know, laptop design, where you have a plastic box that has to be a lot bigger to have the same kind of strength. So, I mean, that's that's something that Apple's doing that I read just recently somewhere where it, say, it was saying that Apple's purchasing so many of these milling design or milling devices from Japan that they're actually keeping the Japanese economy, you know, they're, they're helping it out because orders are, are so far down kind of in general. But there's such a demand for creating MacBook shells and iPad shells and that these Chinese companies are buying these Japanese milling devices, these precision cut out the, the metal with, with high pressure water that's actually having an effect on the economy in Asia. <laughs> that's kind of interesting. It's also difficult to duplicate. I mean, you have Apple's basically setting up factories to build this, these type of products. So it's not just kind of an open market for um, anyone else who wants to do that has to, has to replicate what Apple did, not just take advantage of the fact that they've created it. So that's kind of an interesting wrinkle. So we see here, obviously, that the other people in the industry, they can't figure out how to duplicate Apple's pricing, which is such a change. Now, if we look at the predictions of what we'd see in the iPad 2, do you think there's any areas of disappointment? I mean, some people are saying we should have had a Retina display equivalent. We didn't have it. Was that a bad thing, or is it a matter of practicality? Well, based on the sources that I've talked to, the the reason why the Retina display didn't show up is because it's just too difficult to make the, the screens yet. I mean, we just don't have the technology to make them affordably yet. So it was an exciting thing. I mean, it's, it's a cool idea. The iPhone 4 screen is amazing. When I, when I look at the iPad, I don't see that it screams for that, but uh, it will certainly allow a lot of new things in the future. I mean, and we know it's coming. So, and it's, it's one of those things of like, there's all this chatter I, I see with, with people who just have this kind of very PC mindset of wondering how much RAM it has. And whether, you know, how do we know that Apple put the right amount of RAM in? And I think it should have more RAM because, you know, the Zoom says it has a, a gigabyte of RAM. I think that this should have a gigabyte of RAM. And I was like, you don't know what RAM does. So, <laughs> all these people worrying about, how, you know, how much, how much of a component is in there. Apple is very clearly wanting to take the, the uh, comparison and shift it away from numbers and towards real usability. So remember when, when the App Store first came out, there was all this talk about how many apps there were. And to an extent, having a, having a large number of apps is important. But at the same time, it's not really important that you have a certain number of apps. 
I mean, alternative platforms, Android and, you know, RIMS, QNX, they don't have to have 300,000 apps to be competitive. They have to have good apps. I mean, they have to have a range of a good library of apps. There's not a specific number they need. They need to have a good number of apps and a good range. They seem to forget here, Daniel, is that the app is everything here. The iPad is nothing without the app. Yeah, it has a cool operating system. Yeah. But if all you have is Apple Mail and Safari and the ability to do one or two other things, if you don't have a rich selection of apps, then it means nothing. It's that ecosystem that keeps it alive, and that's where things fail. Now, especially on the Android system, this is interesting. I guess you've heard about this. There was a report that some apps had gone up there in the Android marketplace that were malware-ridden, okay? So they compliment the press, Google, with, after they learn this, will they remove them? Okay, fine. After how many thousands of people were infected? And now I gather there is malware protection software on the Android OS. It's like Windows. Yeah, well, well the problem is, I mean, there's, there's a couple of different problems. One, the thing I was trying to say was that um, it's not the numbers that matter, it's the functionality. And that's what Apple's trying to point out. So they're saying they're really, they're not telling people how much RAM it has. They're saying, you know, don't worry about the RAM. Look at how it performs. Look at what you can do with it. And the same thing with apps. Even though they've been talking about the number of apps, the real important thing is what you can do with all these apps. So you go to Android, there's hundreds of thousands of apps. There's more apps than you could ever possibly install on an Android phone. But majority of them are garbage. They're ringtones pretending to be apps. They're wallpapers pretending to be apps. They're knockoff walkthroughs of other games pretending to kind of be that game. So, you, you know, you go look for a legitimate game like Angry Birds or something. You get so much junk that you can't even find the app that you're looking for. And if you look through the Android market, people keep talking about how there's so many hundreds. It's all garbage, almost entirely. There's not good apps. And the reason there's not good apps is because... Uh, there's no business model for selling apps. The only way you can make any money on Android is to put ads on it. And to have, to have ads that really work, you have to have some kind of you know, simple doodly game. It's kind of like Flash uh, games on the web. The only, the only way you can really sell Flash apps is to have ads around them. And that doesn't make that much money. So you have to have a whole bunch of stuff, and you have to have all this kind of adware and you know, in, in-game purchase or buying gold for it or something like that. It's just a bad model. So you don't end up with good software. You end up with a lot of junk, and it's a lot of copy-paste junk. And then at the same time, it attracts malware that you're talking about, that most of this Android malware, what it comes from, is people take just kind of basic games and put spyware stuff in the same package and then just put it back on the market. I mean, it's super fraudulent. But the fact that Google doesn't, do anything to to manage apps that go into the market. They don't look at apps, so you can put any, any sort of thing you want on there. That encourages that kind of behavior. So, I mean, Apple is like, you know, a farm stand selling vegetables where they only sell stuff after it's been checked. Where Google is like, you know, there's a grocery store where you can just like take anything and put it on the shelf, and then if people die, then you can be like, oh, oh we're going to take that off the shelf. That's not a very good model for selling things that have a health risk, you know? You really want to be able to scan things as they're coming in, not just react to things that are, that are bad. But just in general, I mean, the, the software market on Android is a complete mess. Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us from Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Did you know that drinking pure, high-alkaline water is one of the most important factors in maintaining high energy and vibrant health? Most experts agree that the water you drink should be at a pH level of 8 or higher. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops, available only at AlkaVision.com, combine a unique formula of only the most alkaline minerals. AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops alkalize your water, ridding the body of harmful toxins, and helps you regain health and energy. Alkalizing your water by simply adding 10 drops of AlkaVision Plasma pH Drops helps Helps the body rid itself of acidic waste, increases oxygen content, and raises the pH of your body to healthy levels. And bacteria and viruses cannot survive in an alkaline high pH environment. Order your bottle of AlkaVision Plasma pH drops for only $29.95 at AlkaVision.com. That's A-L-K-A-Vision.com. Or call 269-409-1776. 269-409-1776. Alkalize your body. Supercharge your health at AlkaVision.com today. The collapse of the dollar is imminent. You can protect your wealth by buying gold, silver, and strong foreign currencies. But what if the government confiscates your precious metals, implements exchange controls, or nationalizes your retirement? You need a backup plan. That's why you must move your wealth into an offshore asset protection structure. Go to CollapseProof.com to get your free special report and discover how to store your gold and silver in the world's safest vaults or how to hold foreign currencies in a way that's safe from bank failures, bank runs, or exchange controls. Learn how the U.S. government failed to collect a $36 million claim because the defendant legally used an offshore asset protection program. This is what you need to keep your wealth safe when the dollar collapses and CollapseProof.com can help. Our programs are 100% compliant with U.S. law, but you must act now before it's too late. Call 800-798-2008. That's 800-798-2008. CollapseProof.com. Asset protection in financially unsafe times. For centuries, silver has been used as a powerful natural antibiotic. And as a listener to this station, you probably already know the benefits of using colloidal silver. With so many websites to choose from, finding a reputable patriotic company with great products at affordable prices can be a difficult task. Introducing UtopiaSilver.com. UtopiaSilver.com carries the best, most effective, and most affordable colloidal silver and colloidal gold products in the industry. UtopiaSilver.com also carries products to your lifestyle, including weight loss, immune system defense, cleanses, herbs, joint and bone care, and much more. First-time customers using promo code GCN50 will receive 50% off all colloidal products. Visit us today at Utopia Silver, that's U-T-O-P-I-A Silver, utopiasilver.com, or call 888-213-4338. That's 888-213-4338, utopiasilver.com, taking back America's health care one American at a time. 
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. Two more segments with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And we'll go into a lot of the stuff he's covered very shortly. But now we're covering the problems with the Android marketplace. And the question I have is, there's so much garbage there, so many problems, so much fragmentation, no guarantee, for example, that somebody who gets a smartphone will ever be able to upgrade to the latest and greatest operating system. There's no guarantee that phone A will look like phone B because the theme or the color of the interface might be different. The bundle apps will be different. The search engine will be different. So how do you cope with that? At least Windows, it's sort of predictable. It is interesting that the, the problems that Google is generating for its developers and its users and itself, because one of the things that I was writing about uh, just kind of recently was, you know, Google's creating this operating system just with the hopes of creating a whole flood of devices that it will use its services. But anybody can take Android and turn it into smartphones that are connected to Microsoft's services instead. That's what Verizon is doing on a lot of their Android phones is they're, they've made an arrangement with Microsoft to basically subvert Google's strategy so that it's really pointing everybody to Bing search. Uh, and then in other countries, you know, China has been taking Android and using it as a basis for either Chinese Android phones that are connected to Chinese servers and not Google or forking it into something that isn't even compatible with Android anymore, other Android apps, to create these other operating systems that, of course, aren't connected to Google either. So Google's a little bit shooting itself in the foot here because uh, with the iPhone, you know, Google was a partner. So Google was benefiting. With uh, Android, Google doesn't benefit from every Android phone. Google was benefiting from every iPhone sold. So they're actually creating competition for themselves, pushing themselves out of the market. That's kind of weird. But, I mean, that's one of the perils of throwing stuff out there and just saying, hey, well, how is this going to work out? Well, we have all these different operating systems now, and I hear that RIM's new tablet is also going to run Android apps. Is that correct? Well, the, um, they found that there's two things. One is that the new QNX-based tablet called the Playbook is is kind of rumored, I guess. I don't, I don't know if it's proven yet, but it's, it's rumored to be able to run Android 2, 2.0 apps. It won't be running Android 3.0 apps unless they basically redesign the, the device to become an Android 3.0 tablet, which they've been working so hard to, to compile their own operating system, it seems like odd that they would do that. So it will be able to run like... Android 3 honeycomb tablets, like the Zoom, it will be able to run older software, smartphone software for Android. The problem is, if you create a whole bunch of other platforms that your device will run, there's no reason for anyone to create native apps for the playbook. So, for example, I mean, Apple made the iPad backwardly compatible with the iPhone, but if they had added Flash, and if they had added support for... um, in all this other stuff, there would have been 
much fewer reason for anyone to create an actual iPad app. Well, the other issue here, and we don't have much time to go with the iPad 2, the other issue is we go back to, well, should Apple produce a 7-inch iPad, even though, of course, Steve Jobs said it's not a good idea. The other problem is if you have too many sizes and shapes, suddenly you cause problems for developers to have to develop for that kind of arrangement. You know, they're used to doing it on the Mac because there's so many different screen sizes. Suddenly you have other issues there, which may also complicate things. But let me ask you a quick question here before we go on to Lion. I wanted to ask you a few things about Lion. With the iPad 2, looking at what Apple did, is there anything you would have liked to have seen them do that they didn't do or they could have done better at this iteration of the product? Well, I haven't used it a lot hands-on. Um, there were a couple things on my wish list. One was HDMI, which they did deliver, and they made they back you know they backwardly supported it to the iPhone four, which I, blows me away. I didn't I didn't know that there was any latent support for HDMI output on the iPhone four, the iPod Touch. The other seven twenty p, so it might be just a data conversion. Well, no, it's it's digital output. I mean, HDMI is DVI output. It's digital video output. No, I understand that, but I'm saying is. Inherently, inside, internally, there was probably support for that that was never used. That's all. Oh, yeah, there had to be. Sure. But what I'm saying is what I um, – the only thing that was known previously about how it worked was that it put out VGA, which is analog, like, composite video. Sure. From the which, 1980s. Yeah, but – yeah. Okay. All right. Well, they did quite a bit of work there. Obviously, everyone's going crazy. Apple's stock price is soaring. As much about the iPad 2 as the fact that Steve Jobs seemed pretty chipper, even though he was still kind of lightweighted there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got the impression he was kind of a little bit crotchety, like like a little bit irritated. <laughs> you know, like kind of like a genius amongst fools, you know, when, when he's talking about his competitors and kind of how people have received things. And, you know, he comes out and says... We talked about it being magical, and everybody was talking smack and telling us we were, out, you know, out of out of bounds. But it, yeah, it, it does seem a couple comments that he made was kind of like, yeah, let's let's move beyond stupid. Let's let's embrace the future and realize that you know you we're in post PC devices. Stop asking about how much RAM it has. You know, <laughs> integration is important. It's important to you know care about how things work and how things feel and design and and so much of the industry does not care. It's just about slopping stuff together to make a product you can push out. All they know is specs. All they know is specs, but the customer just wants things to work. So there's that disconnect. I mean, power users may care about specs. Certainly with a car, they care. This car does zero to sixty in six point one seconds, and it defeated. Beat the pants off the other car, which does zero to sixty in six point three seconds. But how do you ever tell the difference? <laughs> well, I mean, that type of spec is a benchmark, and that makes sense. It makes sense how fast the iPad works. It makes sense how fast you can do things. But, I mean, if you're talking about the size of the pistons or the displacement or something like that, I mean, that doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter unless you're a mechanic, maybe. Mac OS X Lion, Apple combines the server and the client version in a single product. So does that say anything to the... Consumers, or does it say something to the business people who now don't have to spend four ninety nine for a server operating system? Well, it's not it's not clear yet if Apple's going to do bundle it all for free. I mean, they may. Uh, remember when server first came out? It was um, I can't remember. 
I think it was $500 for the 10 client limit and then $1,000 for the unlimited version. And you basically got it free if you bought an XServe. And it just kept coming down in price. And with, I think it was Snow Leopard, they made unlimited $500. And here's what Apple says. Let's just look at what Apple says at the site because I think that's the most important thing. Because the official word is Lion Server is now part of Mac OS X Lion. It's easy to set up your Mac as a server and take advantage of the many services Lion Server has to offer. Then goes into the specs. It says nothing about it being something that you have to unlock. It's there. It's part of it. No, I mean, it, it appears that they're going to just, like, include it. That's so, it. I mean, that's what they're saying. I'll take their word for it right now because we're, what, what, four months away from the final release? Five months, whatever? Very close. Okay, so does this mean anything for the business user at all? It makes it more accessible to a lot of people because there's, um, there's actually a lot of value in server. There's some really cool things that Apple's done that common people would find useful. There's a lot of complication in server, though, in, in just serving stuff in general. You have to understand networking stuff. And, and a lot of what Apple's done in the last couple of releases is create an interface for server that's really simple. So you can go in and just turn on some services, and it just works. And you have a calendar server, which is kind of difficult to find unless you set up Exchange, which is quite expensive. Uh, setting up a calendar server is a complex task. You can set up a web server. You can set up a wiki server. So you can just instantly set up without a lot of um, without a lot of IT skills. You can set up a server that does a lot of really cool stuff. I'll tell you what, we have more cool stuff coming in a short period of time here with Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Owl Live. Hey, neighbors. Nuance offers Dragon speech recognition for a variety of platforms. Dragon Dictate for Mac. Dragon Naturally Speaking 11 for Windows. And Dragon Mobile Apps for BlackBerry, iPhone, and iPad. No matter how you compute, Dragon instantly converts what you say into text, helping you be more productive just by talking. Find out more at GetDragon.com. That's GetDragon.com. GetDragon.com. You expect professional service from your doctor, your accountant, and even the girl who takes your morning coffee order. Why not from your domain registrar, too? Namecheap.com provides stellar service with no sneaky upselling. We offer more features and security options for your website than there are ways to order a latte. And new domains come with a WhoisGuard to protect your personal info. At Namecheap.com, you can get your domain for as low as $2.99. Now is a great time to get to know Namecheap.com. <clears throat> Sore throat? Spray that with Dermatol. <coughs> Diaper rash? Spray that with Dermatol. Ouch! Burn or cut? Spray that with Dermatol for shockingly fast relief. If you had room for only one first aid product in your preparedness kit, you need Dermatol because it works on almost every skin irritation or injury. All natural Dermatol brings amazing relief to burns, cuts, scrapes, bites, boils, shingles, rashes, elderly skin tears, even chronic diabetic ulcers and bed sores. Dermatol is an all natural antimicrobial, antiviral, and antifungal wound cleanser that speeds healing with no side effects, is safe for all ages and skin types, and is even safe 
safe enough to spray on sore throats or onto sore eyes. Read our many testimonials at Dermatol.com, spelled D-E-R-M-A-T-O-L.com. Order online at Dermatol.com or call 800-217-6677. That's 800-217-6677. Effective, efficient, economical. Spray it all with Dermatol. Never buy home canning jar lids again. No kidding. When you buy Tadler reusable canning lids once, you'll never buy canning lids ever again. Safely store emergency preparedness foods for years. Traditional metal lids are single-use throwaways containing BPA. But Tadler reusable canning lids are guaranteed to last a lifetime when used as designed for home canning. Tadler lids are made with a USDA and FDA-approved food-grade plastic, safe for direct food contact, and contain no BPA. Tadler lids are dishwasher safe, usable with standard pressure or water bath canning, eliminate food spoilage from acid corrosion, fit standard mason jars are indefinitely reusable and are proudly made in the USA. Place orders at reusablecanninglids.com or call 1-877-747-2793. 877-747-2793. Call 877-747-2793 or go to reusablecanninglids.com. That's reusablecanninglids.com for Tadler Reusable Canning Lids, the original since 1976. This special announcement is brought to you by Renaissance Charge. Have you ever wondered if you could make your car run on 100% electric power for free? It is now possible. How about a simple device that is both a super efficient motor and a free energy generator at the same time? What if this could also be used to restore useless batteries and save you lots of money? Because our customers asked for it, we have organized a Renaissance Charge Conference Workshop on July 29th to July 31st at the beautiful Coeur d'Alene Resort in Idaho. Not only will you see these fascinating energizers, but you will be able to build some alongside genius inventor John Bedini. Participate in this truly historic event featuring our cutting-edge alternative energy, Tesla technology. Register early for the best seats and advanced workshop by visiting rcharge.com. That's r-charge.com for details. Or call 208-772-4514. That's 208-772-4514. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. You're listening to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what to expect. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger of Roughly Drafted Magazine and AppleInsider.com. And as you were talking about Lion Server, which will be apparently bundled as part of Mac OS X Lion client, you have something here called File Sharing for iPad. Hmm. What do we mean by that? Uh, Well, the iPad doesn't support general file sharing. It doesn't support, um, you know, like AFP or the, the... historical kind of file sharing from the 80s, from the 90s, um, or SMB or something like that. But it does support web dev, so it's an easy way to put files on a server that you can just see from the iPad. So that's that's just kind of a streamlined way. There's something else that, that um, it's not in iOS 4.3 yet, but it it's coming in the future, obviously. It's on Lion, this AirDrop, that basically allows you to for some reason, file sharing is really complicated to a lot of people. They don't get it. And so most people, when they do file sharing, they just like send emails around because <laughs> they don't get the idea of you know, connecting to a server and setting up a network. And, and you know, it's kind of 
it's kind of an abstract idea. You know, so that's Apple's part of it, really, because I've tried to instruct people who I think are very smart, yeah. really smart people, how do I do file sharing? And I go through it, and to me it's not that difficult because I wrote some books, as you have, and we've been around it for a while. But I think the average person doesn't see how to make that work. Of all yeah. the people that I've helped in fixing their Macs, even giving them books and backup literature and everything, very few get file sharing. But AirDrop, they'll get. I think they'll get that pretty simply. You know, if Apple makes it a really simple interface, seamless. What Apple seems to be doing with Lion here is to hide the complexities of the file system from the average person. Not that it's invisible to the power user, but take the lessons they learn from the iOS, apply it to the desktop system. Yeah, it's definitely happening. And, yeah, they're taking off a lot of the complexity that isn't necessary. So with file sharing, I mean, you, you can, it's not that difficult to set all this stuff up, but you have to maintain it. You have to kind of understand how certain things work. What they're doing is making it really simple. They're using kind of just the best way to do something. And with, with AirDrop, you don't even have to have your computers networked. Well, file sharing in general is just such a complex idea to a lot of people that with AirDrop, it allows you just to have two computers in proximity that don't even have to be on the same network. And they discover each other and you just drop files onto the other person's name. So it makes it very simple. It's not, you don't have to understand a lot of protocols and things that are going on. And Apple's basic approach to, to things in general is to pick a certain way of doing it, uh, do it really well, and then put an interface over it that makes it really accessible. So you see a lot of that in line on, on a lot of different levels. I was hoping when I heard about AirDrop G, if they could do this on the internet too, that you have a Mac in another city or something, you want to send them a file. Kind of like instead of you send it, or that new tool which is called Dropbox, which is a pretty handy thing to use. This is Apple's iteration. Well, I mean, you can already put stuff on your iDisk. Granted, Daniel, granted, but it's not seamless. You first have to log in and go through that rigmarole. It's not something that just happens. It's not like other tools that are so easy to use, like Dropbox. Drag and drop it, there it is. Well, it's pretty seamless because you just put your uh, MobileMe, once you sign your computer up to MobileMe, you just have that on your desktop, and you can copy to it from anywhere. Oh, sure you have. Sure you have, and each one has to log in. But here, this sounds like even more seamless than that. Yeah, it's it's designed to be really convenient. But it's it's very much a local file sharing. A lot of people hear AirDrop, and they think Drop, you know, the the Drop product, um, Dropbox. It's not related to that at all. Right. Not the same thing. Well, you know, it was just one of those impressions, but like a Dropbox. But, you know, I was thinking, gee, Apple could really do something with that. Now, other than that, obviously Lion has a lot of stuff there. Some stuff I like, some stuff I don't. I worry about the launch pad because if you have 500 apps like all of us do and you have 40 pages of apps to go through, will they let you exclude apps from being included? Well, you can organize your apps just like you can on the iOS. I mean, you, you organize them into folders so that, that they make sense and you can have the other stuff that you don't access on, you know, another page. What it really is, it's kind of like an extension to the dock. So with the dock, if you have a lot of apps, you get to the point where you don't want to take apps out of your dock because you might want to reference them in the future. And that's another thing. Users seem to have a difficult time, like, finding where apps are if they're not just on something accessible. So... I mean, the whole point of the, um, the, the new interface is to kind of expand the dock. 
in a way that works very much like a home screen on iOS. So you click a button and you have all your apps. They're kind of abstracting the files and folders. So you don't have to go, oh, it's the applications folder. Let me look at that, and I don't know where that application is. They're trying to soften that blow. Yeah, it's a lot of navigation without thinking. You don't have to think about, okay, what do I actually want to do here? I want to go to applications. and da, 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 da. It's just like, boom, it's right there. And you don't have to worry about applications launching because once applications support resume, they launch almost instantaneously. I can see, of course, Adobe doing that with something like Photoshop or Illustrator or InDesign or Quark Express or any of those programs that takes about three weeks to launch. <laughs> can they support that kind of feature? The the resume feature? Yes. Well, all resume is is just the the operating system remembering what applications and files you have open. And yes, but the key is here. The key is here the resuming of the app, the relaunching of the app. That's always so time consuming on some apps. Some come up instantaneously. I mean, there's no experience of waiting for apps to launch on your iPhone or your iPad, but on your Mac there is that experience. So does this minimize that? Well, I think it's a little bit different situation because with iOS, you're actually, when an app isn't in the foreground, it's, it's actually put to sleep. I mean, it's, it's kind of in hibernation. Then when you click back to it, it wakes it up. And, and it wakes it up really fast because it's, it's ready to go in memory. Um, on, on Mac OS X, it doesn't really do that. I mean, apps in the background are actually still able to continue running. And they can continue working at full speed doing something in the background because there's not as much of a, a need to have all the computing processor focused on the foreground app, and it's not as much of a drawback to have things running in the background because you have more battery life or you're plugged into a computer or plugged into the wall. So apps don't go to sleep in, in Lion, but it does look like Apple is kind of merging towards an iOS kind of in, it, idea where apps that aren't actively doing something could in the, in the future be taken out and there's this kind of idea of apps save documents all the time so that there isn't this process when you shut down you have to ask what do you want to do with this file what do you want to do with this file they're just saved and if you save something that you didn't want to save you can back it up with with the versioning version controlled undo stack thing so they're 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 working with a lot of ideas working kind of towards this goal of having um the ability to shut down an app immediately. So you can just shut things down and bring things up really quickly without worrying about unopened files and losing data and things like that. What I would like to see, of course, is this resume feature in terms of restarting your Mac and it recreates everything in the sense of which apps are open, which documents are open. You can get back to work after a couple of minutes. Now it's you restart your Mac after a system update and you think, hmm, what was I doing here? What do I have to do there? I don't know. Anyway, we're just about to have time. Daniel Aaron Dilger, tell our listeners where they can find more of the things that you write about. I, I write for Apple Insider, appleinsider.com, which is mostly news. And I write on Roughly Drafted, roughlydrafted.com, when, I, when I'm too upset about something. <laughs> <laughs> or if I just like to write about, I, I like to write a lot about tech history and how things in the past are kind of repeating and sometimes in different ways that are not obvious. We don't so. learn the lessons from history. A reminder, you can find more of the things I do at com. My commentaries at com. On Twitter, it's 
Tech Night Owl. Tech Night Owl at Twitter. So follow us. Maybe we'll follow you. If you have a comment or a question about the Tech Night Owl Live, we do want to hear from you. The address to write us, news at technightowl.com, news at technightowl.com. I want to assure each and every one of you that we read every email that we get, and we try to answer most of your messages. The other radio show, the world-famous The Paracast, about UFOs, things that go bump in the night, at Paracast.com, that's Paracast.com. A special thank you to our old friend Daniel Aaron Dilger for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Great. Thanks for having me, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.